I take it this film's called Oblivion because that's what you end up fucking praying for. Utter dog shite. <laughs> podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is Bazoween 2022, episode number four, the penultimate in the series. One more to go and ladies and gentlemen, it's landing on Halloween itself. Yes, all the powers have combined together to create something truly magical. Now I'm saying that it's creating something truly magical, but to be honest... I kind of feel like I'm giving with one hand on these episodes and taking away with the other. Um, And as a result of that, I I have a kind of wee, bewildered and shell-shocked individual joining me here who's been through the ringer, movie-wise and otherwise. He is, of course, the man that you're all here to listen to. He's the man, he's the myth, he is the motherfucking legend. He is the Baz. Konnichiwa, sexy fermented cabbage bitches. That's, that's Japanese. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's Korean, but uh, that's konnichi- Korean, but konnichiwa is not. I don't know what hi for Korean is, so we're just gonna say you just go hi because they will say that. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Which is Japanese for yes. Um, then, they, uh, then they send you to work in a labour camp. Right, let's move on. Um, (laughs) How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I am um, recovering from the holiday I went on uh, with my kids. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually still off work at the moment, as we were discussing off air. Yeah, Um, man of leisure, eh? Well, you say that, but I've got my my son is off school as well, the (laughs) eldest one. And it was his birthday. In fairness, I've spent the last week making Lego with him, which has been awesome. <laughs> um, why does dad? Um, why does dad keep making these silver spheres out of Lego? 
<laughs> Listen, boy. <laughs> this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna do this all all October. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've been doing that and uh, taking seventeen attempts to get through the whaling. A long movie. It's a long ass Korean movie. A long movie. Honestly, honestly, speak fucking English. <laughs> God damn it. We essentially saved you from communism. <laughs> Have the fucking decency did, to learn the language. Did we essentially save them from communism? Well, the Brits were in Korea. Were we? Aye, aye, my, my friend, Big, well, God rest him. Big yeah. Mad Huey Robertson was in Korea. I did, I did not know that we had much Fairly sure they introduced alcohol to the Korean <laughs> Peninsula. <laughs> no, um, we did. And here's an interesting fact, mm-hmm. both being former denizens of Grangemouth. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Grangemouth is one of the few war memorials in this country that has uh, a reference to the Korean War on it. Oh, right. Um, you, did not know you, that. The big uh, war memorial in Zetland Park in Grangemouth, if yeah, you go yeah. round the reverse side of it, so the side actually nearest the park, mm-hmm. there is a little granite plinth that was added uh, for a local man who died in Korea during the war. Did not know that, Lars. Did there not know you that. Go. There you go. You're welcome, Korea. <laughs> I mean, Korea has given us, like, in the last, in the last 20 years... Arguably, some of the best genre cinema ever. Like, like there, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I am always surprised when, when someone says, you know, I, I checked out this little movie, Old Boy last night. And it was really, really good, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's what they do. It's what they do. Turns out they're really good. They're like, they're really, really good telling stories. Um, so yeah, this is the, the weird thing about the wheeling is, it's the movie that didn't get all the chatter in 2016 because it came out the same year as Train to Busan which uh, everyone talked about except your man right here Baz who said at the time ah, there's a better South Korean horror movie and that movie is called The Wailing and time has won out in that one because people are slowly coming across to the Duncan side I do think though that Train to Busan is a marvellous fucking film it's a great no like it's, it is a great movie mm-hmm I think The Wailing is a better horror movie. You cannot tell me anything until we get through a review. No, no, fair, fair, fair. I think, like, and just in horror terms, I think The Wailing is on a different level. I think it's just, like, a a remarkably smart movie. Um, Uh, Interestingly, did you ever get around to watching Peninsula? No. follow-up to Train to Busan? Interestingly enough, Baz, I own Peninsula. I have the limited edition steelbook of Peninsula, and guess what? Unopened. Never opened it. Unopened. Man. That's why so my, my daughter bought me. Uh, I think it was at Christmas there. She got me the the Blu-ray trilogy. Oh, so there's Train to Busan, Peninsula, and then the Soul, wasn't it? Soul Station. Yeah, yeah. Which is the uh, the anime prequel. Prequel. Yeah, that's which, right. Which I will say, I have not watched. I've not watched the the uh, Soul Station. Yeah, yeah. But I I think I had already. I love Train to Busan, so I actually I had asked for this just because I wanted to have them in Blu-ray because I love Train to Busan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had seen Peninsula before she bought me, and I, it's nowhere near as good as Train to Busan. I've got to say. Is that because? Is that because Train to Busan was, for all intents and purposes, quite a unique experience? Possibly, but I also just think 
they had to go bigger and it didn't go better, yeah. if you know what I mean. Sometimes um, going bigger is not a smart, well, phantasm. Like <laughs> Sometimes going bigger yeah, is not a smart move. Like, the thing, I, the, it, it was almost the kind of self-contained feel of trying to be saying that I loved, yeah. you know, so much of it was just on train, and yep. you know, and that's the fucking best bit of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, where the peninsula is a much more broad scope to things. Mm-hmm. There's some interesting ideas in it. In a kind of World War Z kind of way, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, you know, also that's what they would need to do if this had actually happened kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I, I, listen, it, it's far from the worst zombie movie out there, um, you know what I mean? Um, I, I still, I, I will pick up Soul Station eventually. I watched Train to Busan with my daughter, actually, and she was blown away by it. She oh, it's really, 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 really well yeah. done. But once again, I'd, like, I'd, I'd link it back to the fact that Korean South Korean movies, just in general, they don't even necessarily need to be horror movies, are just really well told stories. Because yeah. they mix humour, romance, drama, horror, thrilling aspects, all into one story. And that's interesting. None of their movies are one-dimensional at all. And I think that's what makes them appealing. Because when you, if I tell you a story, if that story to you is all one tone all the way through, it's not interesting. And that's what they get, I think, better than better than any um, any any modern country anyway. When it comes to, especially in the horror genre, their horror movies are just it's like a yeah. it's like a different level because they just mix in so much stuff and they do it well. Like the stories flow really, really well. So oh, look at Parasite. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Oh God, I know. Brilliant movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I am. I am a, a, a being a fan. Not as secure in the North Korean movies, though they are shit. <laughs> very, I don't know, they're very uh, leader centric. <laughs> so I'm watching these Soviet cartoons for the 60s, they're pish. Uh, we are like, we are like two episodes from the end here, and at the moment we're running a kind of theme here. The theme is the folk horror movies that Duncan picked. Are all really, really, really good. Baz is enjoying no, I'm them. Sorry, I have to argue with that. The theme we are running at the moment is: Are we going to get this finished in time? Because it doesn't <laughs> got... really look like it. <laughs> We're totally. We've got. Listen, this goes out on Monday. As long as we record the next episode within the next nine days, ten days maybe, <laughs> I will have it out on Halloween. We're, we're fr- like, it seems more chaotic than it has been in previous years. I don't think it is. I've got I've got a vague recollection that our last episode for last year's run was done a few days before it came out. So right, I'm okay. not panicking as much as you are. <laughs> so hey. uh, there's a small peek behind the curtain to a panicked voicemail. Like you've literally done the thing that you hate doing as well. You've become one of these voice messaging guys. I know, I know. Um and that was like this is I was in such a panic. <laughs> When I sent you after said message, which I believe will probably make an appearance at some point before the end I, of this I, yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm to put, I'm going to put, uh, I'm going to put your messages. I'm going to put your your standard message at the start. But for those that want to hang around to the end of the episode, which I suggest you do, I'm going to put the chain of voicemail messages that I got from Baz, which are like are just a joy because Baz, we discussed this. Yes. Like mere days before you sent this to me, but you yeah. can recap it for the listeners. It was slightly panicked, would you say? Yeah, basically, I so I'd been away on holiday for a week with my family. I had taken my laptop and everything 
to try and get finish my notes for yep. this episode. Mm-hmm. Didn't get any of that done at all. Came back straight into my son's birthday <laughs> slash birthday party, which took up like two days. Yep. Um, didn't get anything done then either. I mean, I was still cooking at half one in the morning at one point for these fucking birthday parties. And I just thought, I'm, I'm not getting this done. This is going to need to get done. Like recorded like late Sunday night, the night before the studio go and you're going to need to set up on night editing the goddamn thing. And I sent you this. I was so panicked. I thought I don't have time to type this out. But, uh, too long to explain. I'm just going to need to send one of these fucking voice message things on WhatsApp. Um, oh man, so good. Yeah, and then I won't spoil the party by giving any way more. But yeah, I did. I sent you about a minute and a half's worth of a voice message. Yeah. Um, which is three minutes shorter than the one my wife's friend sent her. I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get oh, it. Oh, her and her pals are mental for it. Although my wife doesn't like it so much, but a couple of her pals, uh, it, it's the standard mm-hmm. form of like, communication. It's fucking weird. It's strange. Just phone. I mean, yeah. Just a phone call. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, anyway. Um, the last thing we'll, we'll touch on before we jump in, obviously people have been checking out my 31 of October, which has been a rolling, rolling, rolling right through. Um, by the time this episode drops, more than half the movies will have been reviewed up there and they will know that there's been thrills and chills and sadly some spills. There's been some pretty shit movies in there. Baz, anything of note? I know you were telling me before we started recording that you've been kind of ad hoc watching things Anything that you want to mention, good or bad, to listeners out there that you've been checking out? Yeah, so as usual, I've been doing the however many days of Halloween because <laughs> I'm a fucking grown-up. Um, I'm at eight and a half at the moment, so this is, what, this is like day 20. Now, by like day eight, I had watched seven. I mean, I was on a fucking roll. Like, we told and you this was going to happen. <laughs> you and I went to the cinema. Yep. And... Uh, <laughs> Me you and Dave. That. This will all have changed by the end. <laughs> I said, I, I, I caught a Babe Ruth this. I was like that. I was like, listen, you've told me you bought seven, but I, like, we're going to get, you're being up because you were so cocky. You were yeah. so cocky. Oh, fucking full of myself. <laughs> um, now, obviously, in, in my list, there's normally two or three films yeah. from this yeah, the series, you know, yeah. the Bazoine series that we're doing that year. And I, I, I include that as well because I've not seen them before. Yeah. The, on, the only sort of caveats I have on my uh, Halloween viewing is got to be movies and I've got to have not seen them before. Yeah. Um, although, apart from Halloween, because I like to watch a wee, uh, maybe a trick or treat or a Tales of Halloween or something I mean, like but that. That's that you're allowed that, Baz. That's yeah, the they've got damn classics. So, yeah, I'm at eight and a half at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rattling through them, so I watched my best friend's exorcism. Yeah. With my wife, because it was fairly mild, although it freaked her the fuck out and then she fell asleep. <laughs> that was all right. I'm the same. I thought harmless, it was fine. Harmless Halloween fun. Yeah, you caught, you um, told me that you'd seen it before I'd watched it and you were like that. That's ah, a fine movie and I would totally agree. Yeah. That. Uh, and at number two is the movie we're about to talk about, The Wailing, mm-hmm. uh, which is then followed by Phantasm 4, which we're going to talk about in a short while. <laughs> um, over on the old Shudder Help, Satanic Panic. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. That was okay. That was, again, quite harmless, kind of fun. fun. Seen far worse films than that. Um, 
Then at number five, you, I, and Big Sexy Dave went to see Smile at the cinema. But you and Dave were a lot higher on than I was. Yeah, you, you were fairly nonplussed on it. was quite generic. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's done a huge amount of business. It's, it's yeah. done over 100 million now, which is fucking nuts for an original property yeah. in the horror genre to do over 100 million. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I part of that, I part of that is I think it ticks a lot of the boxes for what people want to see in a horror movie in October. I think the other thing is their marketing campaign was fucking genius. So, oh my god! The, yeah. the, I think I I can't remember if I just sent it in our one of our private group yeah. chats or if I put it on the page. But I, I clocked this video. Yeah, yeah. Uh, taking a major league, an actual major league baseball game in the states. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're talking about the pictures lining up and all that. And it cuts to the, the batter and he's doing his wee fucking waggle in his bat thing. And then there's just this fucking woman standing directly in the front row behind. So obviously behind the the, the batter's mound kind of thing yeah. in baseball, you have a large fence to stop people getting killed by fly balls. Yeah. And so she's just immediately behind that with a manic grin and then this bright yellow t-shirt I think it was that's right. that yeah. just had smile right across it and she just stands there mm-hmm. and my favourite bit I, I saw another shot of it at a later date and you see the, the two guys on either side of her start to get quite unnerved <laughs> because you know they're kind of laughing at first and then they're kind of like you know, I think one one of them maybe kind of gives her a wee prod as if to say, are you all right? Or when yeah. you sit down, doesn't flinch. Yeah, um, yeah no, the, the marketing was genius, <laughs> it has to be said. But no, I quite liked it. I mean, it, you did, yeah. It points well to its, its references. Yeah. Um, I think you rhymed off the Babadook. Reminded yeah. me of It Follows a lot. Yeah, It Follows the films ring. I really like. Yeah, the ring. I mean? I mean, it's it's in it's in that it's in that like it's in that area. Uh, my my. It wasn't even that it was generic. There was just some things I thought were really clumsily done. Like, I, th- I yeah. thought some of the dialogue was pretty bad. I thought, the, like, just the relationships in general in the movie were awful. Like, that guy mm-hmm. that she... Like, the guy that she's seeing, her boyfriend, yeah. I mean, that is, like, maybe one of the worst-written, like, couples I've ever seen in yes. the movie. Yes, yeah. But, like, the uh, other guy... But apart from the two in that Fifty Shades of Grey... <laughs> That was the least believable relationship <laughs> I've ever fucking seen. Well, the, the, but the, the the guy that she's got helping her, the cop, who's like uh-huh. clearly a, a like an ex boyfriend, and they don't explain anything about that until until a dream sequence at the end, and it's a two second conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's just is that sort of and obviously they're focused on the horror aspect, which is fine, but like that, and then of course I, I called a particular scene. You 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 got a glimpse into the Duncan mind. Yeah. Which not a lot of people get where like I like see when I say I can see things coming in movies. Um and I like I think some people are like, oh, well, it's easy to see that when the movie's finished. No, but I'd like on a rare occasion that I gave you a glimpse into I called something happening before it yeah. happened and you were like, Oh I think or that then it happened, you turned to you all that, you fucking ruined that for me. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> you did. I didn't ruin it. It might not happen. If it hadn't happened, Baz, you could have sat there and went like that. See, you think you know everything, McLeish. You're fucking wrong. That made you look quite the fool. <laughs> you get up and move to a chair further away. <laughs> I refuse to sit with this man any longer. <laughs> I'm not sitting beside this fool. 
Number six was one on Netflix called Choose or Die. Oh, yeah, I've avoided that like the plague. Yeah, it was a bit bare. Um, <laughs> I like the wee guy, he's in that sex education on Netflix, which is one of my kind of guilty pleasures. Still need to watch that's got Gillian Anderson in it. And yeah, I don't know why I'm, I'm holding yeah. off watching it because I will masturbate myself blind to Gillian oh, Anderson. And she's just, and she, all she does is talk about fucking boobies. Oh, don't, don't do this to me. Um, yeah, weirdly, it is the most quintessentially British shot film and for some reason they make this little English actor play it with an American accent and I'm like what <laughs> why like the the location of the movie has no bearing on it yeah it has clearly been filmed in England yeah and I know for a fact he's an English actor uh, I, I don't know about the female that she could have been an American actress I don't know but it's just like why see in this day and age as well People don't need to have the same accents in films. People would accept that maybe this is a wee English guy living in America. Yeah. Or she's a wee American girl living in England. Nobody gives a fuck. It's you like it's I mean? like it's like the first time you ever watch Hellraiser and you've got um Hellraiser's supposed to be, I believe some of it's shot in England anyway, but it's supposed to be set in Oh, yeah, it's like shot in a council estate yeah, in Darlington but, or something yeah, but, like that. But but you've got uh, you've got uh, Tim not Tim Robbins, Tony Robbins, I think plays the, the dad. Um mm. and you've got obviously his wife Julia, who has the most English English accent ever. Um but then you've got Uncle Frank, so the, the dad's brother he's a guy yes. that comes back from now his original voice so he's overdubbed in the movie, which you can tell when you hear him speak. But he apparently had this like he always said they'd like like a like a fucking council estate worker like uh, uh, there, right you know that sort of voice and they overdub him with the most American oh come to daddy come to daddy <laughs> you're like what the fuck are you <laughs> you're not his brother for a start why are we doing this what like like because because apparently the studios at the time were like that I don't think the American audiences will understand this man. <laughs> well, I mean, you hear the original fucking audio and it's like come to father. <laughs> Doesn't have the same ring. <laughs> Come to father. It's not. A, it really isn't a sexy dialect. It's not. No, it's not. It's like that. It's like it's like the. It's like if you've ever watched any Scottish porn, it's all fucking horrendous. And my favourite one, and one day I'll link you to the video. Um, I, I don't feel comfortable just like. <laughs> but I, I, I was edited here, and it's uh, it's like one of these amateur home shot ones, and I think it's called Port Glasgow Gangbang or something. And it's like an amateur shot thing like that, and it's two guys and one girl, and um. Oh, I've seen this. Have you hit like? Is this, there's your dinner? Yeah, there's your dinner. It's on a plate, biatch. There's your dinner. Take it, take your dinner. It's on a plate, it's on a plate. And I'm like, that is the least sexy, the uh, least sexy accent ever. It's when people are that, oh, you know, the Scottish accent's so sexy. Is, is it now? Is it? Is it though? <laughs> is it now? I beg to differ. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that was a side. Anyway, that, that, that was on a side and a half. That was choose or die. Yeah. Uh, number seven was Phantasm Five. Oh, so you you uh, you you finished? You finished I, I'm ahead. Yeah, I've watched the last one. I've not uh, done my notes, but I have watched the last one. Say no more. <laughs> um, number eight was uh, we, we discussed this off here the McPherson tape. Yep. Yeah, a little hour long kind of found footage alien thing. Yep. 
weren't that impressed with it, but then you told me the story about the movie itself, mm-hmm. and that's actually quite interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good deep dive if you if you yeah. get. I was gonna say if you find yourself with a spare half an hour, that'd be that'd be a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you read into it, it's, it's it's a very interesting project, and the fact it's making the rims just now is. Like you are one of like six or seven people I've seen in the last week and a half that have been watching it. You told me it's on Prime, which is probably yeah. why. But the fact it's getting so much traction at the moment kind of blows my mind because it is not an urban legend, but it's a for for those that know the kind of inner workings of obscure. It has a kind of myth stuff. around it. Uh, yeah, uh. very much so. Like a like a a clear mythology right through. I've still never seen the sequel. Um, one day I'll I'll see his sequel. Um, as long as it doesn't have the same actors, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah, uh, so that's my eight so far. The half that I mentioned was I was halfway through Studio 666, yep. the Foo Fighters horror movie, mm-hmm. before I went away on holiday and I've still not managed to finish it, so I'm going to need to watch it from the beginning again. I will say, the, from what I'd seen in the first half, I was quite enjoying it. Um, it's funny, Dave Grohl's funny. Yep. That'll do for me. Oh, yeah, the uh, story big behind... Kerry King's in it as well. Is he? I'm Slayer, yeah. Yeah, I love Kerry King. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but he's not playing himself in it, weirdly. That's weird. Yeah, it is. Uh, um... You're just kind of waiting for the, the line like, you look exactly like Kerry King from Slayer. <laughs> yeah, well, it it's it, like the story behind it that uh, Grohl had said was he wanted to make a, like a short horror movie. Just like a cheap thing to accompany the album, and yeah. um, this is what happened. This is he said. This is what happens when you get studios involved, like record labels and studios involved with a small idea. You end up with a film. <laughs> so this yeah. is like so much bigger than what I wanted to do. But they just kept hey. giving them money to make it. <laughs> Dave Rob Zombie's made an entire fucking career out of it, honestly. So <laughs> we're not allowed to mention Rob Zombie. We've not seen the monsters yet, so I'm not uh, going to watch it. I might now I have to watch it just through pure morbid curiosity. It's not out in the UK yet, so... Um, I don't give a fuck about the monsters. This is my only problem, mate. I couldn't give a shit about the monsters. Ah, uh, quite like the monsters, so... What? Beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> right, with that... Let's uh, let's get into it, ladies and gents. So, as with all these episodes thus far, Baz is in charge of the music, so you're getting the good tunes picked directly from the bars. You're going to hear a little bit of music. You're then going to hear the trailer for our first movie review. This is Representing Asia, our folk horror movie of this episode. This is The Wailing from 2016. We'll be right back to discuss the movie right after this.
그렇게 소문이 받아간 말이오? 무슨 이유가 있는 거요? 이유가... 요새 자꾸 동네에서 사람 죽어나가는 거요. 그 고놈이랑 뭔 연관이 있는 거요? 싹다그 양반이 오거나 생긴 일들 아니오? 왜다뭔 일이 다냐 그래? 요새 다 죽어버렸어. 직접 본 거야? 한번 봤지? 맞는가? 이 뭐가 이제 이거 뭐야 이거? 나왔다. 차라리 며칠 전에 만나면 안 되는 것을 만난 적이 있지. 아내가 그곳을 건드려 버렸어. 똑같아 증상이. 사람들이. 그놈이 자꾸 눈에 빼는 것은 그놈이 자꾸 찾아가고 있는 것이라. 그냥 미끼를 던져본 것이고 자네 딸내미는 그것을 확 물어본 것이오 내 눈깔을 직접 봐야 쓰겠다 Welcome back, ladies and gents. You've just heard the trailer for The Wailing. This is directed by Na Hong Jin, who also did the screenplay. It stars a plethora of Asian people whose names I will not do. I'm not doing it. I'm saving everyone um, this episode. I'm just saving you all, and you will thank me later on. The synopsis for this one is... They're all called Kim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Baz. Um, <laughs> and the synopsis of this one is Soon after a stranger arrives in a little village, a mysterious sickness starts spreading. A policeman, drawn into the incident, is forced to solve a mystery in order to save his daughter. Um, this movie came out 2016. We we're talking about this off air. And slightly on here. Um, the Wailing, I was like a huge champion of this movie. Made my top five of the year it came out. And to be honest, if I had to go back and redo that list now, like with, with several watches and years on it, it'd probably be in my top three for that year. Um, I loved it. Like the first time I watched this, I fucking loved it. Like just like fell in love with it hard because I just think it's, I just think it's an incredible horror movie like everything else aside just thinking like the scope the way it's done and all the rest um and it was interesting like when we were formulating the list and i was looking at asian folk horror movies there are tons mostly centered around uh, india or japan and for whatever reason like the wailing to me just i never i've never equated that as being a like it's not one that flies up to the top of my 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 brain when I'm thinking about folk horror movies, but when it appeared on one of the lists we were looking at, and I was like, "Is the whale not totally? Actually, it totally fucking is. It totally yeah. is. Totally yeah. is." Um, and at that point, it was a it has to be on this list. Um, I love the outpouring of love for this movie that is getting over time. Um, so much so that with our summer series last year, doing the 2010s, the whaling was in the top ten 
of all the movies that we did for the entire decade, which I think is even speaking to the fact that it's winning over even the people in the glitz and glamour of the horror podcast elite. Because, you know, we, we are aside from the, the regular people. We have our own... Our, our, our opinions matter, Baz. Because <laughs> um, we record them. Because we record them and then put them on platforms. Which for you guys, people to ignore. <laughs> for people to completely ignore or call us out for how we got this one detail wrong. Um, never happened to me. Never happened to me. Uh, so, yeah, I, I am, like, super curious. The, the only thing that I had in the back of my head that may have been an issue was the length. Because I know you like, I know that your life is. <laughs> you try to find any amount of time, even an hour and a half is difficult. Let alone two and a half hours. We'll just throw an extra hour in there for shits and giggles. So the people out there, this I've been getting a lot of people just saying, super curious to hear what Baz says about this. What, what do they think? So without any further ado, the floor is yours, my friend. What did you make of the whaling? Ah, so. <laughs> Painting a picture with my words here. Also, your images that no one else can see except me. <laughs> Just gonna let that hang there. Um, oh my god. Yeah. So the whaling. The way, but interestingly, the whaling had actually been on one of my watch lists. I think my Amazon watch list for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I kind of glanced past it one day. Usual kind of Amazon market, and the, the image kind of caught me. Read a wee blurb. Oh, that sounds quite interesting. Mm-hmm. But I had never ever got around to watching it, um, and I, I didn't really know. I didn't know anything about the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing, nothing at all kind of thing. I, th- I think I probably thought it was Japanese actually uh, originally. Anyway, starts off with some ridiculous fucking biblical quotes about <laughs> ghosts. Right. Which obviously are up there and I'm going to call it Chinese, looks like Chinese to me. It's up there in Chinese. And uh, <laughs> up come the subtitles, turns out it's about ghosts. Which isn't the weirdest thing that's in the Bible actually, because I was listening to the last podcast today and apparently unicorns appeared four times in the Bible. I mean that wouldn't surprise me. It's our it's our was it it's not our national animal or something, is a unicorn. The unicorn <laughs> We're Scotland, what do we know about fucking anything? Well, you know what I mean? like, but it has to have come from somewhere, you know what I mean? So why not the Bible? You wouldn't think it was in the Bible. Do you why know what I mean? Well, happen. see the next time your evangelicals are trying to stone some poor wee gay guy. Yeah. Well, like, right, well listen, you wheel out the unicorn and I'll help you stone him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Can't be right for one thing and wrong for the other. It's and o- also, God. also, is there a more gear animal than the unicorn? No. So there you go. It's no. like, <laughs> if anything, I would say that this means God approves. So there Only you go. Only thing gear is a gay narwhal. Not a normal narwhal. <laughs> not, not normal, but a hetero narwhal. But a gay narwhal is possibly gear just because it, the appendage. it's more phallic because it's longer, <laughs> it's basically. It's more phallic. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't think we'd have veered off path this early in this (laughs) review. Phallic top trumps. I see you, unicorn, and I play you, my narwhal. I play you, a gay narwhal. (laughs) Um, Weird-ass biblical fucking quote. Mm. Uh, Then it cuts to some Japanese cunt torturing a worm. It turns out he plays a fairly major role in this film. He so is also to... Japanese, so let's... Yeah, and he is Japanese. <laughs> and and the Koreans call them Japs, I've noticed. Yeah, well, which do you understand... I, like... I would 
probably get criticised for. Right, but you do understand that's because, like, South Korea-Japanese relations are terrible. Mm-hmm. Some of us still haven't forgot the River Kwai. Right. Okay. <laughs> just, just, just so you like, just like, like that's why that's the. Like, there's a reason they have that derogatory term towards them is because like Japanese were not nice to the Koreans at all. I've, all, I've also bit. recently watched Tokyo Trial on Netflix. Oh. Which is a four-part dramatization of the japanese equivalent of the nuremberg trials yeah. it's boring as fuck don't watch it what we, I keep, we keep talking about this like you, you keep like you tell me that you like there's a there is a podcast series called hardcore history i yeah. fucking love it it's all um, it's all war based so yeah. the guy dan carlin only examines like conflict and all the rest and he's what like he, I, he's still working on his um east asia series which charts uh japan's Involvement, I think, from just before the First World War, through like basically the Japanese War. Yeah, it will it will it'll end um, with uh, Hiroshima and uh, Nagasaki. It'll end. Uh, that's ultimately what we're building to. But he covers this whole ground about just how, like, like when when the Japanese war machine turned on, it it was scary. Like, it was, like fanatically scary. In fact, they've just released that movie Onada. Which was about the guy who his general commanded them to um, like defend an island or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the last one to surrender. In the yeah, 70s. like that. So, but there's yeah. just been a movie released about that. But like the guy, I, part of me thinks you'd like this guy because he, he finally they had to bring his general out of retirement to go to the island yeah. to help him stand down, and he came back to Japan in the seventies. I actually know the story because yeah, yeah. they, they, they drop leaflets and everything because yeah. he kept killing cunts' pigs. Yes. Food. <laughs> yes. So they knew he was there. He was still there in the trees. Do you know what uh, I mean? And he was basically wearing bamboo yeah. as clothing <laughs> at this point. And they were dropping like, leaflets that he thought it was all a yeah. slat, a, a, a white-eyed dog trick. Gaijin is the word. Gaijin. Um, but he thought, um, I don't know. He, uh, like when he went back to Japan though in the 70s, and he saw 70s culture in Japan, he was fucking outraged. He's like, this is what I, like, one, he found yeah. out that the emperor had um, declared that he wasn't a god, which he didn't know about, um, which kind of demoralised him. But then he saw, like, hippie culture in Japan, and he was like, I've been in, the, I've been in a forest, like, <laughs> for 30 years. odd years. <laughs> and this is what you've been doing. With a bamboo shoes. <laughs> this... sore they are on your feet. What the fuck is KFC? What is <laughs> What are we do? Like, you have their restaurants here now? Um, yeah, he was mortified. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. But this is why the this is why the derogatory term is... Uh, is yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's how he refers to him. I would like it if we just referred to the guy as the Japanese man, because it wouldn't make me uncomfortable during this recording. Well, this is going to make you feel a lot more <laughs> uncomfortable because I have a nickname for him. Given <laughs> his nation's history... And what he did to that worm. We're going to call him the worm criminal. As in war criminal. Oh, God. But it's about worms. Oh, you got me? <laughs> Following on. 100% God. Worm criminal. <laughs> you know, when you've been hit by the worm criminal. Worm criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, remix that one, Alien Ant Farm. 
You're welcome. <laughs> right, anyway. Cut, cuts from this torturing of this poor defenceless animal to uh, insect. Some kind of shanty town in the pissing rain. A town. <laughs> Fat cop has to get out of bed early because somebody's died. There's been a murder. There's been a murder. There have been a murder. I'm not going to do the accent. Yeah. Cannot, like, we cannot record Even I this. was a little bit offended by that. If you're going to go down this road, well, we can't do this. <laughs> right. Anyway, moving swiftly on. His foul-mouthed mother-in-law makes him eat a rancid-looking breakfast, which appears to include seaweed. How fucking and dare no you? And no doubt more than a little dog. <laughs> Heads off to the crime scene. This is a bad pick. What? <laughs> this is such a bad pick. What did I do here? This is my fault. Brace yourself, son. It's going a whole lot worse. <laughs> this is my fault. I apologise to the listeners. This is my Blair Witch apology. This is my project. I'm really sorry. I didn't realise what I was doing. He heads off to the, the crime scene where he hooks up with his partner. Oh. You're smiling Let's already, come Let's on. Call, right, I was struggling for names. So we're going to call them Kim Jong Cagney and King Jong Lacey. Right. <laughs> Crime scene is an utter shit show. Pissing rain, screaming relatives, mental zombie looking cunt sitting on the porch. Yeah, he's not. Uh, got to say, visuals on the perp. Was immense, yes. really creepy looking, like really creepy looking. Um, a couple have been butchered by a garden sickle. Their child has survived, and the perpetrator appears to be aforementioned zombie-looking cunt. Mm-hmm. Um, they head to the killer's house where Kim Jong Cagney finds some suspicious mushrooms, and then a massive nest. Looks like the guy was killed there and then taken to the house where his wife was killed. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why. <laughs> then it goes into the titles. <laughs> and that that line there, I have no idea why, you will be hearing again <laughs> during this review. <laughs> That's a bad promise. <laughs> See a guy in the woods tampering with a deer carcass. Tries to lift it, falls down a hill. Very funny. And that's not a haiku. I know it sounded like a haiku, but it wasn't. He wakes sometime later to see a semi-naked worm torturer devouring the deer carcass raw like a wolf. Either that or he was blowing the dead deer. I can see him doing either, to be honest, he's Japanese. He gets spotted. You're a fucking man. The worm torturer sneaks up on him. Uh, and his eyes are glowing red and his ears are kind of pointed. And uh, the, the visual at this point is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, All the visuals uh, in this movie are yeah, fucking amazing. They're, they're totally on point all the way through. And I think it's actually in my notes at the end, and stuff like that is used quite sparingly through this film. But yep. when it hits, it hits like a fucking dump truck. Do you know yep. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, very, very good. Uh, 
Jibberish. I've written jibberish here. Uh, looks like that. What? Let read out what it says. I want. <laughs> looks like this is a story being reckoned between Kim Jong Cagney and Lacey. I don't there's know. A, like, there's a story re- being recalled. Recalled or something. Yeah, like that, I like I it better if it's reckoned. There's a reckoning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, looks like the worm torturer is some random Japanese guy who turned up in the village, and everyone is slightly distrustful of him because of his uh, ethnic origin, shall That's, we say. Yeah, that, well done, Baz. Kim Jong Cagney tells Lacey that the lab results have come back and that the, the zombie-looking cunt was full of the mushrooms mm-hmm. when he did the killing. Um, but Kim Jong Lacey is having none of it. He definitely thinks it was the Japanese worm torturer that was to blame for all of this. Um... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know either way. <laughs> There's a power cut. So this is still in the police station, yep. right? And the Cagney and Lacey are having a wee argument here. Uh, There's a power cut. A naked zombie-looking chick appears outside the window. A pair of them go into utter melting. <laughs> Turns out they are both massive shite bags. Yes. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and it is a hilarious scene, it has to be said. Uh, the Kim Jong Cagney makes Kim Jong Lacey go outside to investigate, but Zombie Tits is gone. But that <laughs> Zombie Tits. They are. It has to be said right from day one. You're, they are not good policemen, and they're I don't mean that policemen. they're corrupt. They're just hapless. Yeah, I think it's more a the, the, the it's more a, a proximity thing than anything else. This yeah. is probably the best this small town has. Which it, isn't really saying much, like, you know what I mean? They're like the Korean stone cops. <laughs> I like it. You like that one? I like it. And that, that one wasn't even racist. <laughs> um, yeah, but I did like that scene. And that ties back into what you were saying earlier on about Korean cinema, you know, because this you're jumping from mm-hmm. really quite visceral kind of a visceral murder scene, a really creepy creature effect uh, to the pair of them shitting themselves over a woman outside the window. And it's timed beautifully. Really, really well done. It doesn't feel feel like forced humour. We talk about this, you go and see see a movie at the cinema or something over here, it's a Hollywood movie and all the rest, and I come out and I'm like that, the tone of that movie was all over the fucking yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tone is all over the place in this movie. It's just handled really fucking well. It flows. Well. Yeah, yeah it, it flows really well. Um, next morning, Kim Jong Cagney wakes up kicking and screaming about sluts and whores. <laughs> We've all been there. Um, although in his case, it's probably a result of having to sleep on the floor like a fucking animal. They Get s- a bed. They sleep on the floor as a race. Get up, get beds. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Fuck me. You're not telling me we didn't take beds over there when we were saving them from the curse of international communism. They live a lot longer than we do, so they're doing something right. I can only imagine most of them end up in fucking wheelchairs. <laughs> Talk about the fucking cancer crisis in this country. It's a sciatica crisis in Korea. 
the lumbago <laughs> epidemic is sweeping the Korean peninsula at present. Due to a fucking diet of rice and dog and then sleeping on a wooden floor. I'm not eating dogs. I know what goes on in these wet markets. <laughs> Anyway, at breakfast, he spots his neighbour suggestively doing her washing outside mm. on a fucking scrubbing board thing. Mm. Weird that he found that sexy, but okay. Next minute, he's pumping them in the back of his car. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a really good pump scene. It's, it's right up there. There's a fantastic one, and I think it's like season three of The Wire. Uh-huh. You know, what was the boy Dominic... Whatever, the, the kind of lead guy in the wire, yeah. You know the the British actor. Um, uh, have you seen the wire? Was it years I, ago you saw? I it? saw the wire, and I have seen every season of the wire up until the final season, and for whatever reason, never finished it. It's not because I disliked it; I fucking loved it. I've just never yeah. seen the final season. Um, well, he has a kind of relationship with a redheaded lawyer. Yep, and and there is a a scene. Comes in drunk and bangs up, and it, it takes like I don't know 40 seconds, do you know what I mean? And about seven pumps, and it's, it just looks like the least fulfilling yet realistic sex scene committed to celluloid until now because he, he literally he's pumping away and oh god, I'm too fucking old for this. Oh, I feel you, Kim Jong Cagney. Oh, I feel you, sir. Um, he then gets caught by his kid, yeah. Which is awkward. <laughs> uh, he takes her shopping, kind of obviously as a bribe to keep her, and then he tries to talk about her. And I've got to say, for a 12 year old that has just seen her father's cum face, she is remarkably understanding. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it, uh, that could not have gone better for him, to be quite frank. <laughs> Her reaction is the stuff her dreams are made of, to be quite frank, if you're in that situation. Oh, oh fuck. You mean you're not going to tell mum? Yeah. Jesus, okay. This is beyond that. Like, she. Like, this isn't the first affair he's had, because she, she mentions that she's seen him at it before. So she already knew that he was having affairs. Uh, or. Yeah, or the, the mum's having an affair or something, or like she's seen people having the way it's like it's it's so non she is so uninterested yeah. by the conversation that and you it's, it's such a fucking great one because you can see he's trying to think the best way to approach this. Yeah. And he keeps coming back to certain things just to make sure that we're both on the same page here. That mum doesn't need to know about this. Yeah. And he re- he comes back at it about two or three times and she's like, eh. Yeah. yeah. Turns you all had to do is basically say sorry and take it to Claire's accessories. <laughs> <laughs> the power of Claire's will work. Trust me. As as the father of uh, as the father of an eight year old daughter, like you could you could pr- you could burn the house down and Claire's accessories will clear that out. Yeah. Every single time. Every That's single time. Best. Here, the power Although, of hair clips. Over there, I do believe it's called Kim's accessories. <laughs> you know, <right>. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That evening, he attends a house fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his boss fucking hates him, it has to be said. <laughs> he's Probably because he's a fucking shite policeman. He's, he's but pretty he useless. really so. hates him. Um, 
And I, I don't know if it's like a genuine owner of the Korean culture. I don't know if they still have that kind of culture where you have to respect and bow and scrape to your boss at all costs. Because at the, the, he's about four foot five. Yeah. Even for a Korean guy, he's pretty small, this boss. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I would have just grabbed his wee orange wavy stick thing and sodomized him <laughs> with it till his eyes fell out. Do you know what I mean? Don't ever talk to me like that again, you fucking little goblin. As I've, as I've never been to Korea, but I have been yeah. to Tokyo, and um, it's it's the it's kind of like how you would expect. But like, see, when you're like that, you should respect your elders. It isn't they take it to another level. Yeah, yeah. Like it's the, it's the only and, and just completely. I'd like not to a f- fanatical way, but I'd, uh, it just is, is accepted that if you're if you're on the train and an older person comes in, you stand up, you give them your seat, yeah, like, yeah. and it's not yeah, even yeah. a kind of. I like, actually, I don't mind the whole elder thing. Yeah. And I'm fine with I think that. It's, I just, think it's just great, but, your boss, do you know but I, mean? I think you're that yeah, I think off. that's a, I think that's a thing over like I think that's just a thing over that part of the world, yeah, um, which would not fly with me. It would not. No, it would no, not. You no, as I say, I, I would have sexually assaulted him. <laughs> um, <laughs> a suit black and mental woman is running about attacking everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kim Jong Cagney cannot stop her because he's a fucking huge shite bag. <laughs> uh, a dead person jumps up and starts attacking him as well, and he, he literally just screams like a fucking bitch. Um, <laughs> I've got to say, so at this point in the film, it looks like a zombie outbreak mm-hmm. because you appear to have kind of like resurrection type events taking place with people and stuff like that. Yep. Whether it pans out that way is a different matter. <laughs> Keep listening. <laughs> uh, we see the worm criminal. Uh, he is watching over the chaos. Uh, <laughs> And the aftermath is horrible. Boss uh, calls him a, a little girly man with balls the size of peas, <laughs> and he is not wrong. <laughs> um, Kim Jong Cagney realizes that the burnt zombie woman, the soup black and burnt zombie, is in fact zombie tits from the night before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next morning, zombie tits is found hanging from a tree by a dude on a motorcycle. Not sure what the point is to all of that, but it, the visual is fucking brilliant. Like the, the guy on the bike turning up and then kind of crashing off him. She's hanging above the road and then again, just really well done. Um, the yeah, a, a kind of detective or a forensic person or something like that tells King Joe Kang that the arson victims actually died of I think was it bite wounds he said or something like that or, yeah. or some fucking thing like that, but not burns basically. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the detective's idiot apprentice finds the kind of oh it's knife wounds that's what it it's is knife wounds yeah and the idiot apprentice finds the offending knife and then just fucking picks it up and I don't know licks it and fucking well, the guys like that you lift it, you, like. Don't, you don't you don't lift it with your bare hands like yeah. any like any evidence is destroyed and the guy's like uh uh-huh. <laughs> um shortly after this Kim Jong Kang is eating another disgusting meal. Uh, not disgusting. It looks fucking delicious, man. Honestly, it, it, it looks like boiled rice. It looks like clumps of boiled rice, and probably rice. a live octopus because we've seen that happen before. <laughs> they live in the fucking mountains. Where's the? Where are they getting octopus? 
I don't know. <laughs> shortly we find a dead crow in a fucking thing full of soy sauce. So I put nothing by the fucking dirty bastards. <laughs> I think it's polluted water. I think it's a jug of water, is it not? It's soy sauce. Is it? Aha, uh-huh, because the wife says it's my thing of soy sauce up there. Fuck, so she I mean, does she doesn't that. say it like that. But, yeah. you know, she... Oh, that's my soy sauce up oh. there. That's oh, that's my blue dragon. Oh, cunt. That's my, fucking... that's my blue dragon. <laughs> Don't know if Blue Dragon is the the brand of choice in the Korean Peninsula. <laughs> it certainly yeah, is sorry. in the Tesco yes, Reading. <laughs> Other supermarkets can be used, but um, not in the Reading area. Not in the Reading area. So uh, but I mean Reading, Falkirk, not down yeah. south. No, the, the Reading that counts, the one up here. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is a bad tangent. What I was saying. Um, yeah, so right, he's eating his disgusting lunch and then somebody tells him that Zombie Tits was previously raped by the Japanese fucking worm criminal. Which is <coughs> fucking par for the course with them. Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> moving swiftly onward, the dynamic Kim Jong-Jo are sitting on a wall. Uh, a creepy but not unattractive wee bird starts throwing stones at them. Yeah. Which they do not react to. Fucking, uh, my day, if I'd thrown a stone at a cop, I'd uh, probably get molested for it. <laughs> but um, it was the 70s. <laughs> um, the Britain in the 70s. That's like, I, don't, I don't know if we've talked about that TikTok that's doing the rounds just now, that clip that from that comedy show where they're digging up the time capsule. I think we've spoken about this before. Have I not sent this to you? No. Right, so it's a, it's, it must be from a sketch comedy show, right? And it's a, it's a copper opening one of these time catchholes buried from the 70s. Uh-huh. And he, he, he's like that, oh, right, here we go. Hey, what's in here? It's all these little boys and girls from the school and up. And the first thing he lifts up is one of those, it's a derogatory term, and I do apologise, but it's a gollywog toy. And he's uh-huh. like, oh, right, yeah. all right, we're just going to put that away. And he's like, oh, look at this. This is an LP, this is a vinyl here, and it's Gary Glitter. He's like, and this is by, oh no, we can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, that. He's like what's, what's back here? And he's like, oh, and he lifts up this medal, and he's like, that. Jim will fit, no, Jim didn't fix it for anyone. <laughs> uh, and then he lifts up, he lifts up, there's a book, and I can't I can't remember the reference to the book, but then he lifts up the, the stenograph or whatever it was, which was advertised by Rolf Harris. And he's like, that member, it was done by that Australian, the guy, oh no, we can't, he's like that. Is there nothing oh, in here? Do you mean that little funny musical uh, instrument thing? Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. is there nothing in here? Is there nothing pure? And then he reaches in and there's a wee tub of cremola foam. He's like, oh, <laughs> oh, this was a, like, it's like basically, yeah, like everything that you loved in the seventies probably is tinged now by molestation. <laughs> like, totally, like, fucking totally. Actually, that leads me on to a complete fucking tangent. Um, Let's do it. We we recently lost the the late great Robbie Coltrane. We did, yeah. Um, wonderful Scottish actor, probably known mostly these days for his portrayal of Hagrid. Yeah in the Harry Potter films, but uh, particularly for Scottish people, he was a very well-known actor in this country. Uh, it's actually started out in the alternative comedy circuit, yep. um, both as a stand-up and then into television work and stuff like that. I actually 
he's well known for Cracker, which was a kind I of forensic psychologist I was show. Yeah, obsessed with Cracker. Like, obviously, Duncan. Like, like, yeah, like yeah, early yeah. teenage Duncan fucking loved Cracker. Like, absolutely obsessed about it. Um, but I think, but, like, my first. Like, I know what you're about to go on and talk about as well, um, which is something I've still I've seen like the occasional episode, but never never really binged it. But um, I think my first like proper. Like recollection as Robbie Coltrane as an actor is actually Nuns on the Run. Weirdly, oh, right, fucking, okay. I loved that movie as a kid. Mm, uh, mm. Him and it's Eric Idle, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I absolutely loved that. Um, but you were about to mention Tutti well, Frutti, were you not? Yes, yes, I was about to mention Tutti Frutti. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was a, a kind of six-part comedy thing that he did. Um, and it would have been in the kind of mid eighties um, about a, a rock and roll band that get together for a kind of a farewell tour, and he actually plays the the younger brother of the deceased lead singer mm-hmm. who the band approached to fill in for his dead brother for the tour kind of thing. Uh, Emma Thompson was in it with him. Um, oh, it was right. just a wonderful show, and uh, I actually it, it got re-released on DVD a number of years ago, um, and I bought myself. I don't think. There is a Blu-ray version of it, but I got the I've got the, the DVD set over there now, and it's just wonderful Scottish television. But when they were filming it, um, a large portion of it was filmed in Ayrshire, and they stayed in the Seamal Hydro, where my dad was the head chef at the time. Yep. And uh, dad actually got to know Robbie quite well uh, at that time. But uh, the reason a tan- tangent tangented tangentially tangentially veered into this was. Uh, there was a thing doing the rounds on Twitter. So one of the first things he was in was a show called The Kick Up the Eighties, mm-hmm. um, and it was a that was a kind of sketch show, but like not the nine o'clock news. If anybody remembers that, I do. Yeah. But uh, the particular clip that was doing the rounds didn't actually feature Robbie Coltrane. It featured um, not Fry and Laurie, Smith and Jones. I remember Smith and Jones as Mel well. Mel Smith and Griffiths yep. Jones. Yeah, Alas so Smith and Jones, yeah. Alas Smith and Jones, yeah, that was yeah, their yeah. show, yeah. So they were in this one, along with Robert Cotrain and a number of others. And it's basically them kidnapping kids off the street, like the big nets and all that, right? And then they fire them into the back of a van and as it fucking drives away, it's got the Rolf Harris show painted oh, inside of it. <laughs> And the, the, the tweet was going like that, you know, the, the one clip from the kick-up the 80s that you ain't never going to see on television these days. And, I mean, that must have been 25 years before he got done. Yeah. With, with molestation and stuff like that. And it just it shows you that it, how much... They, they talked about it with Savile as well, how much yeah. it was kind of no, open secret. Yeah, you know no, what I mean? Um, fucking hell. But yeah, it's very funny. If I find the tweet, I'll forward it on you. Please do, please do. Uh, where the fuck were we? Um, uh, yeah, yes. we bird throwing stones at them. Kim John Lacey heads off to the local farmer because they've come up with this great plan that they're going to try and f- see if any zombies have been in looking for skin cream. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, you've seen their faces. They're all blotchy and bulbous. And... But their fucking complexions probably not exactly top of their fucking list of priorities at this point in time. <laughs> you don't know that, Matt. You don't know that. 
the wee bird with the stones tells Kim Jong Cagney that the the woman killed everyone in the burnout house. Now I will admit this is where I started to get a little confused with the yeah. plot. Yeah, yeah. Now I normally make the joke that this is because people in Asian horror films all look the same and stuff like that, right? <laughs> but this film does have quite a large kind of cast. It has of a huge characters. Cast. Yeah, yeah. And um a lot of the the sets, particularly those based in the little kind of towns and villages, do look very similar. Do you know yep. what I mean? It is quite kind of hard to do. So I, I did, all the way through this film, I did suffer from a bit of confusion. I do not claim to understand the finer points of the plot in yeah. this movie. It's not quite Tenebrae-level disasters. <laughs> <laughs> but Tenebrae is general, not a disaster. Like, I have a general idea of what happened in this movie. Tenebrae right. was not a disaster. There is just one clear bit of dialogue that you didn't hear, and because you didn't hear that... None of it made sense beyond that point. Had you heard that bit of dialogue, you would have been on board with me. It's fine. You would like to think. <laughs> um, there's mention of a shaman being brought in by an old lady to do something. Mm -hmm. um, she then takes him into the house. So this is the burnt out house. Starts to describe the scene and the events. It's almost like she has some kind of psychic powers. Mm -hmm. It's like she's kind of... Uh, doing that remote viewing type thing almost. Yep. Um, and then she tells him that the worm criminal is a ghost who wants to suck people's blood dry. Mm. Uh, he gets a call from a sidekick, this wee sidekick guy who unbelievably has managed to track down some skin cream related fucking <laughs> suspect or clue or something like that. But he's like, get straight back here, I've got a fucking witness. The wee bird disappears. He goes out the back looking for her. Uh, again, sees the worm abuser sucking off a dead deer. Um, <laughs> gets chased. Just as he's about to get eaten, he wakes up screaming in the world's least comfortable bed. Um, so, yeah. So, and there, there's a lot of that in the film. Um, you know, bits of the film where they wake up, but it's not that the whole thing was a dream. It's kind of like you don't know what happened between yeah. that instance and them waking up. It's yeah. not that they dreamt the previous scene. Um, his wife tells him that the kid is his kid is sick. It, it, his child actually he is a shit cop. He is a shit fucking husband. Yeah, unbelievably, he actually appears to be quite a good dad. He's a great dad. His um. You know, his, his feelings and his love for his daughter kind of cloud and, and overwhelm everything else kind of thing, as they yeah. should. Which um, which is why the ending works. Yes. Yeah, we're going to yeah, get yeah. to it, but it's totally... Also why the premise of this works, although we'll, talk, we'll discuss it at the end, but the, the, the way the story unfolds and the events that actually happen work well because of the fine, the family dynamic in Korea. Like, families yeah. are really close, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. As can be seen, because I think I'm not sure if it's his mum or his wife's mum that lives with him. I think it's his wife's mum. But there's a, yeah, yeah. certainly a kind of an elder matriarch living with them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he finds that the, his daughter kind of burning up with a fever. Um, at work, his fucking sadistic little boss tells him <laughs> that he's completely fucked over the whole witness claim because obviously she's gone. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, 
the intrepid duo set out to interview the idiot that fell down the hill at the start of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, oh, he fucking blabbers on. He's got the most ridiculous reason for like, you're talking shite. No, I'm not. Here's the proof. And it, it, it's not proof <laughs> at all. Which even they get. Even Kim Jong Cagney in their last no proof, mate. That, that's, <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. Um, he also claims to have been bitten. Uh, they all go into the mountains to uh, see the Japanese worm molester. Um, they come across the deer he was eating, starts to piss down. Local hill falling idiot refuses to go any further, tries to run away, falls down the mountain again. <laughs> What's wrong with this guy? <laughs> he, then, he then gets struck by lightning and ends up in the tents of care. It's fucking brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. You don't see enough lightning strikes in cinema, as far as I'm concerned. Out with the Thor films. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and this is this is far superior. There's that um, Loving Thunder or whatever it was called. A, there's that episode of what was it? Um, the X Files where the young lad can conduct electricity. Remember that? Is that the one that it's the boy out of uh, Sneaky Pete? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was going to say he plays Phoebe's brother and friends, but that just goes to yes, show he our does. different, yeah, our different, uh, our uh, different uh, viewings. <laughs> he, he's also he's a. Uh, what was that show about Errol? My name is Errol. Yeah, my name is Errol. Is in that as well? Uh, yeah, like, and that's the this whole thing around that is he can conduct electricity and that's how he kills people. No, nobody can pull off a comedic running about in Y fronts and cowboy boots. <laughs> I can. <laughs> He is top drawer when it comes to that kind of madcap humour. I don't even know why we're talking about him now. Um, Stop by lightning. Stop by lightning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> While they're at the hospital, another patient has a violent kind of seizure. I think this is the zombie-looking murderer from the porch at the start. It is indeed, yeah. Um, and there's a fucking gnarly bit in it. So he's basically just kind of spasming in the bed and... I think it's his spine snaps, yeah, is that right? And kind of, yeah. it's like it snaps at the base of his neck and the bone comes through yeah. the front of his forces, chest. And forces it, it to crack his collarbone and yeah. through his neck, yeah. And it's only a little bit. Yeah. Which is all the better, do you know what I mean? They didn't go for the huge chest rupturing yeah. kind of visuals. It's just this little bit of bone suddenly yeah. juts out the flate and you're like, oh, yeah, the sim design is the sim design yeah. is fucking nuts because it is nah, one of those not. pure wincing moments when you see it. So yeah, yeah. oh totally, uh. totally, it's it's done done really well. Um, Kim Jong Cagney and Lacey go and get real fucked up uh, <laughs> in a really shitty bar. <laughs> has to be said. It's been a long day. <laughs> it's it's like one of those manky wee greasy spoons in the East End of Glasgow, mm-hmm. but it's a bar supposed to be. Fuck that. <laughs> uh, they notice one of the other patrons has got this rash thing on her neck. Again, kind of point towards the zombie outbreak mm-hmm. type thing. Uh, that night, Cagney's daughter has a kind of seizure slash nightmare thing. Um... He kind of manages to get her to wake up. She talks about a strange man trying to get in. Uh, and then the next morning, she horses doing an entire fish for breakfast. 
Um, grandma's so freaked out, she's going to see the shaman. Yeah, this, uh, this cunt. That's what we need. <laughs> this guy. Uh, next up, yeah, we're going to talk about that cunt. Um, next day, Kim Jong Lacey turns up with his nephew, who is a trainee priest that can also speak a bit of Japanese. Mm. Uh, they go to the one criminal's house up the mountains. Um, they find a kind of satanic shrine thing mm-hmm. uh, in a wee room filled with like photos and kind of trophies, like serial killer type trophies. Uh, they have to fight off a kind of devil dog that attacks them until the Japanese guy comes home and then they just fucking leave. Um, on the way back down the mountain, Kim Jong Lacey reveals what he saw in the wee room. Uh, and then he shows Kim Jong Cagney one of his daughter's shoes, which he took out the room, mm-hmm. implying that she is in some way now being targeted by the worm criminal. <laughs> uh, and he then, when he gets home, he confronts her about this Japanese guy and she gets all belligerent and screams at him. And now it starts almost to look type of possession this is the switch. Yeah, oh, this yep. is it, man. This is it. We're all <coughs> over the place. Oh, make your goddamn mind up. No, this is the switch. They're like, we, we've lured you in. You thought you were getting one thing, yeah. but guess what? No, it wasn't he. It's something else. It's wreck all over again. <laughs> During the night, he checks out her room. Um, he's checking her out, looking for the rash, when he realises that she's awake and she starts accusing him of all sorts of shit, like, yeah, you're committed, you're, it, it's uncomfortable. horrible yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah. Horrible the way it's done. Um, and then she starts screaming, like she's, and you, at this point you clearly know that there's something really wrong with her because she clearly loves her dad kind of thing, and it's so twisted, like, oh yeah, right, okay, so you're committed, your daughter's room. oh, Horrible. Um, yeah, the, the grand entail it says that she's called the shaman. Uh, Kim Jong Cagney goes and chaps up the priest who I think his name is two three. Is that right? Or twenty three? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's a rapper as well. Uh, he wants somebody to go back, go back and check out the Japanese guy's house. Uh, the wee room that they found with the photos has been completely stripped. Uh, the one criminal would tell them shit. Mm-hmm. Says that he burned the photos. Um, and then Kim Jong Cagney warns them to just get the fuck out of town. GTFO. GTFO town. <laughs> of, get out of town. Aye, GTFO of town. <laughs> Nailed it. Eh... <laughs> uh, <laughs> the wife takes the daughter to see a doctor about the rash um, that night we see the Japanese guy kind of muttering some kind of curse and the next day there's an eviscerated dog outside their house probably dropped off by the local butcher um, or the local branch of KFD <laughs> Because <laughs> <laughs> <he> dogs. <laughs> the wife finds Kim Jong Cagney paralyzed in his room. Oh, fuck. Uh, 
they take him to an acupuncturist <coughs> uh, while they're away, like the kid stabs her babysitter and all that, uh, total clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. Kim Jong Cagney and Lazy swear vengeance! <laughs> uh, the shaman arrives <laughs> like a Korean Nicolas Cage. <laughs> they ever remake this movie The Shaman has to be played by Nicolas Cage 100% like a turtlenecked sex anaconda <laughs> I wrote that I liked that one so much I wrote it in my notes he immediately identifies an urn full of soy sauce as being the culprit because mm. there's a dead fucking crow in it yeah it's never a good sign that probably didn't even affect their digestive systems right enough, do you know what I mean? They're used to that kind of crap. Um, next thing, he's dancing about with like Joseph's Technicolor dream coat on. It, Try does, it does switch from here's the dead crow to. And he's trying he's try to batter the evil looking <clears throat> kid with multicolored ribbons. Yep. Which was an odd choice. Do quite dig the heavy music at this point. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've just written how the bitches are keeping their panties on at this point is a mystery. <laughs> he dances about with some knives, chucks them away. <laughs> Fuck all, just zero fucks given, man. Tickles her with a branch to no avail. Um, and he then starts to point the finger at old Kim John Cagney and his run in with the worm criminal. Mm hmm. Tells Cagney that it's a ghost that he met and it's the strongest evil he has ever encountered. Uh, Again, I get more than a little confused here. So the police then turn up at the scene of what I think is the failed exorcism that we've just seen. Yep. There's a body in a well. Uh No sure where that gets. There's multiple bodies. Not going to lie, I'm a bit confused here. But more, more folk are dead, which is really what it matters. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're moved on in the interim with all this stuff happening and another family is dead. Elsewhere. Yes. So it's not, the, uh, yeah, it's not at the... Not I admit it is quite confusing. Aye, it just jumps, it jumps straight to like, this is happening here, but there's another, there's another death. There's God been a murder, God. Baz. Goddamn Koreans. Um, the shaman fucks about with some magic rice. Uh, tells Kim Jong Cagney he's going to work, work a death hex and this is what Crazy Ralph has been warning us about all this time oh yes, this man's got a death curse the the shaman then dons a bitching tracksuit <laughs> and uh, tells Kim Jong Cagney that the Japanese guy is not a living human he died a long time ago mm-hmm. uh, is struggling to find out how he seems to be alive and why he's targeting his daughter uh, the whole scene's interspersed with the shots of the worm criminal finding a dead body in a van mm-hmm. and I think I think this is the same person that the police think killed the woman in the well yep but do we know who it is up until this point have we met him before no 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 just a dead guy in a van just a dead guy in the van that'll yep. do that'll do it follows it follows the progression of all that you find the mass like death Thing, and then you either find someone who is afflicted by something or someone who is dead. Oh, I see. Hadn't picked up on that. Battling. Uh, I'm just pouring myself another stiff drink here. You, I'm loving it. Um, 
The worm criminal buys some chickens, takes them on a bus. <laughs> Best day ever if you're a chicken. Oh, honestly, really is. Or just a fan of chickens who happens to be on a bus. Either way, it's like Mardi Gras. <laughs> Kim Jong Cagney uh, and his family basically they appear to be uh, preparing for the shaman's death hex mm-hmm. uh, which is it's a bit like a cross between the exorcist and the scene in train spotting when Renton's getting ready to come after heroin <laughs> uh, this movie does like all joking aside owes a lot to the exorcist yeah and, yeah. and really, really, but not in a way where I'm like that. Why are you making a possession movie? The best possession movie's already been fucking made, and you know it'll never be as good as the ex- this movie does it in a very, very, very cool way. Where you can clearly see it's influenced by, but at no point resembles. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, the worm criminal almost seems to be preparing to come under attack from the shaman, mm-hmm. like psychic attack kind of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm picking this up right, but that's what I kind of mm-hmm. took from it. Um, shaman stabbing a pig carcass uh, while the worm criminal's trying to drum some chickens to death. <laughs> then they both kill chickens. Uh, we kids got full on exorcist. Uh, and then it looks like the corpse in the van gets reanimated. Um it then looks like the Japanese guy comes under psychic attack from the shaman. I could be completely wrong. And I just keep wanting to sing that song with the shaman. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, kids begging that we stop. Uh, shaman's getting all worked up, ready to fuck up a goat. Uh, but Kim Jong Cagney's had enough and disrupts the whole ceremony. This seems to coincide with the worm criminal kind of reviving. Kids rush to the hospital with the parents. Uh, and then she's kind of in the hospital, but her, she's perfectly motionless, but her body's all kind of contorted and her eyes are rolled back and that really unsettling. We priest boy turns up, says, I'm going to go and see my boss priest. Um, the old priest slant, shaman's talking shite. Because uh, unicorns are real, they're in the Bible. <laughs> uh, the church can't help go back in the hospital. Fuck all you say, any cunt. <laughs> it's, kind, it's kind of refreshing, though, to hear like, like a movie with the church going that. I don't know. <laughs> it's like a day well spent for that cunt is just when he stays out the orphanage. Yeah. Really, you know what I mean? That's a fuck. That's a tick in the wind column for that useless old prick. <laughs> Kim Jong Cagney asks the priest to go back up to the Japs house with him. Um, and he said, because he's like, because if he's really a ghost, I won't be able to kill him. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I'm going to try and kill him. Hey, <laughs> uh, <laughs> heads off to the local butcher shop, buys himself a nice wee dog, Hoagie, and then rounds up a posse of local alcoholics. It does. It is just literally. A it's just literally. It's, it's guys drinking in a butcher shop, and he's like, "Hey guys, saddle up. We're off to take vengeance." 
The worm criminal, he takes off uh, running through the woods like a scalded cat, mm. which is ironic that they're in Korea because they probably eat them too. <laughs> um, the, the posse gather up every garden tool they can find uh, and some animal bones. Uh, and then they head off for some good old fashioned American justice. <laughs> uh, you know, Vigilanteism. There's a, there's a lynching coming. Mm-hmm. Um, at the one criminal's house they find some evidence of the ceremony uh, the one criminal he's doing at the abandoned van it's empty truck zombie then attacks the posse mm-hmm. who fight back I've written here they fight back very apologetically <laughs> it's like they don't really want to fight the hideous monster that has staggered out of the bamboo forest behind them and is now trying to eat their faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, we priest gets his face bit off, uh, and then even a rake in the head doesn't stop this zombie bastard. He rather comically throws a spade at Kim Jong Cagney, mm-hmm. and then he suddenly goes into kind of spasms like the one we saw in the hospital. Not sure why he spasms, but he does. Um, Kim Jong Cagney then clocks the worm criminal watching all this happening. Uh, they chase him into the woods uh, in order to escape. He kind of climbs over the edge of a cliff to like hide, but he falls. Uh, he's not dead, but he is hurt, and there's a creepy wee bird watching him. Mm-hmm. Is this the wee bird that was chucking stones earlier on? Yeah. Yeah, right, okay. Again, this is one of the ones I couldn't really relate. Is that the same person? I, even on my second watch, and I wasn't picking up. So anyway, right, her. Yes. She's she's getting about watching them. Uh, the posse drive back down the mountain in the pissing rain. Uh, they nearly hit a truck, but swerve to avoid it and end up hitting something, which turns out to be a person. Mm-hmm. I had written here that I thought it was the worm criminal, but I don't think it is, is it? Who is it that they knocked down? No, it's, it's the worm criminal. It's the worm criminal, yeah, is yeah. it? Right, okay. Because they, they, they think they've got him. Uh huh, and then they dispose of the body by chucking it over the side of the mountain. It's all very. I know what you did last summer, Baz. Oh, very much so, actually. <laughs> but why did I know that? My notes because I thought that on both watchings, yeah. and I forgot to write it yeah. down. As it's very fucking. I know what you did last summer. He comes back wearing like a, a but fisherman's outfit to, and a hook. Um, yeah, I don't want to finger bang any of the people <laughs> in this truck. I've got to say, unlike I know what you did last summer. Where I would have even finger banged some of the boys. I'm trying to remember who's like this dead. Is that Jennifer Love Hugh and Sarah Michelle Geller? <laughs> it is. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Nice I, I think uh, we Freddie Prince. Freddie Prince. Well, I think that's where they met. And uh, if you just squint your eyes, he looks like a girl as well. <laughs> so I'd have popped a couple of digits in him. <laughs> um. For the listeners out there, Baz actually showed me how many digits. Yeah, it seemed, too. I seemed, it seemed ambitious. It did, it did. It's amazing what you can do with some butter, though. Uh, the creepy wee bird is watching them. Uh, and elsewhere, the shaman announces that the rat has fallen into the trap. Mm-hmm. I think he's literally just firing out cliches at people. Do. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of Cold War. You know, yeah, like, right, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> The falcon is in the toilet. <laughs> the badger is in the honey. 
Yeah. <laughs> Falcon's in the toilet. <laughs> the red panda's in the kitchen. It's a fucking rodent. <laughs> Jesus! Oh, the whiskey's strong tonight. Um, oh, dear. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but big Kim Jong Cagney races off to the hospital where he sees his daughters come out to coma and they cry and embrace. Uh, at the hospital, the wee priest boy has visions of the one criminal and the mad zombie that bit his face. Mm-hmm. Police come and take him to a crime scene where we see Kim Jong Lacey has gone mental and killed folk. So even the good guys are at it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the police at this point, they think it's some kind of tonic made from the mushrooms that we saw earlier on. Um, they've got fuck out of the way. trying to get in touch with Kim Jong Cagney, but he's dinging in the calls. Uh, so he heads off to the shanty town, but he's confronted by the creepy wee bird. Uh, he starts vomiting and kind of spewing blood out his face and all that again. Very cool effects. Also, very uh, exorcist. I love it. It is. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Runs off. And then he calls Kim Jong Cagney and says that he's got it wrong and that she is actually the evil presence. Mm-hmm. And that the worm criminal is, in fact, a shaman like him who's trying to kill her to protect everybody. Twist! Mm-hmm. Or is it? Yes, Baz, that's it. Drop or that on, is it? Who fucking knows? I don't. You will at the end. <laughs> no. I'll explain it <laughs> at the end. We'll, we'll oh, get it, we'll get it. <laughs> um, Kim Jong Cagney realises that... Uh, oh, he, he kind of warns her. Um, he warns him that she is coming for them and he's like, oh my God, she's already there. His daughter is gone. Yeah. Uh, he runs... Oh, I get yeah, right. So then he's looking about, runs into the crazy bird. Yeah. Uh, and then she's telling him that his daughter is possessed by an evil spirit and the Jap is a ghost. Yeah. God damn it. Uh, she says that his daughter's at home, but if he goes back, they will all die. Yeah. Oh, she's got Kim Jong Cagney all turned round. We've got to know what the fuck's going on, honestly. Uh, he asks her if she's a human or a ghost, and she just says that she's trying to save the kid and that the demon is already in his home. Yeah. And then we see the wee kid horsing down food again, like we saw earlier. Uh, Shaman calls, tells him to go to his daughter, the wee bird's last. It's just a conspiracy. I'd have shot myself in the face by this point, to be quite young and truthful. Well, I can't cope with this. Honestly. You're on your own head. Elsewhere now, I think this is up at the the worm criminal's house up in the mountains. Yep. The wee priest. So all of these scenes now are kind of interspersed very kind of yep. quickly. Yeah. Um, the wee priest finds some sort of cavern. The wee Japanese boy's in it. Looks like some kind of altar. Mm-hmm. And then he starts, the priest starts asking him to show his true form. Uh, and he's saying, you know, are you the devil? No, he's right. He says, I am the devil, or at least that's what everybody believes me to be. Yeah. Back to Kim Jong Cagney. Uh, 
and then I've started calling the wee crazy bird the wee maybe she's a demon I don't know what else to call her right uh, she makes a prediction that when the demon is caught the cock crow will crow three times yeah. and he's not allowed to go to his daughter until the third crow lo and behold the cock crow starts crowing mm-hmm. maybe she's a demon that says it's all because Cagney uh, sinned cock will crows again Cagney sees his daughter's hair clip lying in the ground yep. this kind of triggers a series of memories which I don't I don't fully get but it convinces him that she's lying so he runs for the house yeah. she's like that no um, at the house the cockerel crows a third time he enters the house inside's a fucking bloodbath wife's been slaughtered daughter appears she's covered in blood and he calls out for her back in the cavern the worm criminal kind of reveals his true form to the priest <sighs> fucking crazy fucking visuals again man it's very, actually very scary it, it's like a kind of devil yep. slash demon slash imp but you get a full-on visual of the thing. It's not like one of these things that you just kind of get a glimpse of it or something. It's right there. And it must have been practical effects. It's all practical, you, you yeah. guys talking and all that. Oh, my God. Really messed up. It, it, you kind of need to see it, actually, to get yeah. the full effect. Because it, it sounds kind of shit when I explain it, and it is not. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. Um, big rock star Shaman arrives at the house. Uh, and then we see the daughter and she's now sitting on the porch like the dude at the start of the movie um, he starts photographing bodies including Kim Jong Cagney although he appears not to be completely dead because mm-hmm. obviously we've not seen what happened yeah. in the house after we kind of cut to the, the cavern um, and then the shaman fucks off with the, the, all of the photographs for the room um, and it ends on a kind of memory of Kim Jong Cagney and his daughter at the fair. Yeah. Um, so again, it's not one of these films that's neatly tied up in a bow at the end. You don't no. get all the answers. You certainly don't get any form of happy ending out of no, it. No, 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 no. No happy ending in this movie. Um, and that is the end of The Wailing. Um, it's much longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so a, a couple of, a couple of things um, yeah. that you kind of touched on that. So the 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 woman in white is uh-huh. like so she's a spirit. She's like a protection spirit. Okay. In, in this movie, right? So she's the good guy, right? Uh-huh. And the the bad guys are the Japanese guy and the shaman who are working together. Oh, I did not get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why the Jap- That's why the 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 thingamajig, the chairman, basically tells him, "Oh, I got, I got it wrong. I got it wrong because he's been rumbled." Uh, so he tries to point it at right, the woman. Okay. So if he doesn't break, that's why he takes the photographs. So the photographs. This is the photographs. What I'm led to believe is the photographs are the way they accumulate souls. Right. Uh huh. So like that, that makes sense actually. There is a very brief scene, and I had kind of picked up on something like that. Yeah, like the t- oh, it's the 
the demon imp thing that you see at the end photographs the wee priest. Every, yeah, they, they yes. take photographs and that's the, that's them essentially collecting the souls of the people okay. that have done. So the setup, okay. the setup is basically the the Japanese guy gets an item of something which uh-huh. then links him to a member of a family which he then possesses with the wailing. Um, that, that person then essentially murders a family and then you know, becomes like a like a possessed, undead, evil thing, which will ultimately kill itself or die. Um, uh-huh. And the shaman usually shows up and takes photographs of everyone, collecting it all up. So right. they're the evil people. So when she's saying to him, she basically there's a, a kind of a protection thing around the property, and what she's basically saying at the end to him is, listen, if you cross that threshold before that third cockerel. Um, I can't protect you. Yeah, can I, I, can't, I can't protect uh-huh. you. And if you do it like that, you know, it's over. She appears earlier on as a girl throwing the stone and yeah. she explains what happened in that house. So she's kind of uh-huh. there trying yeah. to help, I trying to help see. the investigation. But what he sees is, because he saw the altar earlier on of the Japanese guy, uh-huh. and but he never twigs. At the end, when he sees the clip, he assumes that it's her altar because of that right. the clothing which triggers the flashback of her wearing it and all yes uh-huh, so uh-huh. he assumes he assumes it's her that's yeah and that's why he goes racing off yeah. to the house because he he then believes what the shaman told him yeah so i think the only bit that i really hadn't clocked was that the shaman and the japanese fellow were working together yeah they're, they're essentially they're doing the same they're that. doing the same they're doing the same job um okay. and it's hinted because he says it himself it's hinted that the the Japanese guy was also a shaman because he says no he, he was a shaman yeah, as well yeah, that's yeah, why he's, he's protecting the like thing. Me. Yeah. yeah so see, so I that's see. it that's that's the insinuation that they're working together also the fact that they both take photographs um, yeah but yeah so with that out there um, what did you make of the whaling it is a very good film yes boss. very very good film it's uh, your story in that side brilliantly shot yeah really brilliantly shot very well acted um even down to little nuances of humor in that that are thrown in or carried off very very well um one of my notes i I didn't fully understand the intricacies of the plot as has been evidenced there but i think in fairness i think i actually had most of it i think the only bit i'd missed out was the connection with the shaman yeah did you you pretty Um, much had like you were you were talking yourself down during the review and i'm like that no he's got it He's got it. Regardless of that, though, it's still scary. It's a, it's a genuinely scary movie. Even if you don't really maybe follow it all, yeah. it's still scary. And I don't mean that every so often something jumps out and goes, and scares the crap out of you. Yeah. It, it's a very creepy film. Mm-hmm. Creepy is probably a better word than scary. Yeah. Um, and, and that builds in the film. And and it, to me, it, it, it was very good filmmaking that they still managed to get that across. But I still didn't think I was really understanding yeah. a lot of the film. It's, the, um, it's such a ballsy movie as well. The first hour is really just setting up a what you think is a zombie mystery, which you think as the audience you're all over. All right, there's a zombie outbreak. Right, they're going to go from house yes, to house. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. the movie just like like you said, it's the wreck thing. I'd actually never even considered that, but it's the wreck uh. thing. At a certain point in the movie, it's like, 
eh, well, no, there's a religious element here. Yeah. And as soon as that comes in, the movie completely takes a turn. But it does it like moving a large oil tanker, turning it, it moves it yeah. so gently into that story. And that kind of interestingly, cool. it, it kind of... Because I think with the zombie outbreak thing, it points to these kind of mushroom things as yes. maybe being the cause of it's that. red herring, yeah. So interestingly, like the, 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 the police and the characters in the film are still believing that when you see it turning away from that, as yeah. it were. Even, even at the end, like you say, they believe it's a, a, a like a... Like the a drink or something, a, a tonic that, thing, yeah, you know. it's being made from these mushrooms. So that's what the police will ultimately close the case on when they leave uh, that town. Uh, and you can imagine this has happened town before, town before, town before, like all over, all over the place. These these guys just go, this is their setup, this is their call yeah. that they do from place to place, and it probably goes under the radar. I think, as I said, when we were talking about it, there the the horror and the kind of. Um, the, the visual horror mm. is used quite sparingly through the film, but when it does land, it, it, it's like a house landing on you kind yeah. of thing. You know, even in, in just very small scenes and little clips, um, it does, which I think keeps you a little bit off balance because you're never quite sure what is then coming. Yeah, you know, it it, it just plants that seed in you that this film has the capacity to kind of freak you out a bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's got another gear that I it, suppose, it might not shift into, but yeah, when it does... and when that's fluttering about in your head, you're kind of off kilter the whole mm -hmm. time. The ending is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and weird... So here's a weird little thing, which I don't normally pick on. The ending, it ramps up kind of almost exponentially. Up. And I, I tied this into, like, the drumming. See the kind of drumming in the, particularly in the kind of exorcism scenes. Yeah. It's that, you know, and it builds and it builds and it gets yeah. heavier and loud. And the ending of the film goes like that, yeah. you know, you're, you get the... It's almost like time. There's that ones. kind of intensity brought by who is lying here, what, yeah. you know, and it flip-flops. So you've had the flip-flop of the, this is a zombie thing. No, no, it's a possession thing. Mm -hmm. Then you've also got is the person that you think is to blame for all of this, the absolutely good guy, and this crazy wee bird here is shit, you know. Yeah. And that flip flops, you're totally off kilter, and then it's all that is interspersed with the bit with the priest and the Japanese guy, yeah. which is kind of your reveal. And then at the end, every fucker's just screaming their guts out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's pretty funny, and then it, it cuts really kind of abruptly and not in that stupid we're going to turn the camera off yeah you know it, it ends but the ending it, it's really quite abrupt considering the heights that you were at yeah maybe just a minute or so before yeah so the, the ending i think is, is very very powerful yeah because you don't very need to like powerful. like the, the and once again the the knee jerk and i'm not just picking on hollywood movies but in a hollywood system you would have a an, an epilogue yes you sort of, like, you'd, saw them. you'd see the the demon and the shaman getting a car together hand each other the pictures and off to the next time yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. need that like our, as, our main as character the insane daughter is carted off to the asylum yeah you would get something she's the victim no yeah. no she's the victim it doesn't add anything to the story yeah. like doesn't no. it doesn't make you appreciate anymore the the the, the, the cop made the wrong choice and what he's left with in his dying moments is his happiest memories of his daughter yeah yeah, which yeah. doesn't feel even like you mentioned it before works even 
even better because of his relationship that's established with his daughter. Yeah, yeah. That's literally the one good thing in his life. Yeah, it's like when we watched... (laughs) Well, not taking pot shots at the black phone. I did have a lot of fun with the black phone. But when we watched that movie and at the end the dad shows up, the alcoholic, abusive, fucking violent his kid's dad shows up to be like, I'm really sorry, things are going to be better now. And I'm like that. Like, should we be happy about this? <laughs> like, that guy's going <laughs> to relapse in the alcoholism. Three days later, his kids are going to take a beating. Um, it's different. Like, the setup and it's really, is, is well formed. Um, all that's kind of left for me to say then, Baz, is, is ask for a grade here. Now, it's one through five for the listeners out there. One is hated it. Two is didn't like it. Three is liked it. Four is really liked it. Five is loved it. Baz, what are you giving the wailing? Four. Oh, you should be higher than that. No, I'm I'm going to give it a four. Um, I I would like to go back and watch it again after a fortnight's restful sleep. (laughs) With no contact at all from my children. There's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, watching it this time through, uh, so I watched it a couple of days ago, and, um, you know, I'll, like, I'll try and segue Twin Peaks into anything, and it's it's full of stuff that's Twin Peaks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. specifically about, like, the, the Black Lodge, the kind of Bob spirit and all the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, it was full of that, and I was just digging it even more. It's a five for me. I, I think this is... Like, when we talk about modern-day possession movies, this is probably the best one, um, I think. I, I think it just does it in a way which doesn't feel like it's copying a template anywhere. Actually feels... This movie overall feels surprisingly original considering its two main themes are zombies uh-huh. and possessions. Possession. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? You just don't get... Like, how many zombie movies have you watched where... Even Trey Bazan, which is a fucking great zombie movie... You kind of seen though you've seen this sort of stuff before the outbreak yeah, and all uh, the rest. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean, and this one here is just it's handled differently. It's 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 handled. It's an adult horror movie. If you know what I mean. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's the difference. I think it just works on a level which I just appreciate a whole lot more. I think it's I think it's absolutely I, fucking. I great. I actually think it works on levels to that extent because yeah, yeah you, you can get an awful lot out of this, but I genuinely think even somebody that's not into that kind of yeah. <laughs> cerebral you know kind of what's that horrible fucking term people use nowadays oh, what elevated or prestige elevated horror yeah, thing uh, there's yeah, that right, whole right. thing going around listen anyone that's listening just now that got suckered into that clickbait article where John Carpenter says that he hates elevated horror no if you read the interview he was baited into the question by some fucking know-all shite journalist who asked him what he made of elevated horror and John Carpenter said, I don't know what that is. And they're, yeah. Like, yeah, they're like, well, you know, like, the Elevated Horror, like, E24, and he's like, like, what movies? And then they said, Hereditary, Tom. Of course they did. They said, like, of course, like, Hereditary, um, and they mentioned Midsommar and The Witch. And what John Carpenter said was, well, I've never seen them. So that John Carpenter hates E24 and Elevated Horror. No, what he's basically said is he hasn't seen the movies, he doesn't understand the term, so he can't comment on it. John yeah. Carpenter said your mum's a slut. That's, bit, that's literally how every headline was like trying to cause shit for no reason at all. 
And I just don't get it. I honestly don't get it. And A24, by the way, don't use the term elevated horror or prestige horror. It was the fucking Guardian that come up with that yeah, phrase. Nobody does, man. Anyway, you were saying if you're not anyway, at that cerebral level. You know, even even if you're not into that kind of, you know, heavy focused horror type thing, you can watch this film, I think, and still be freaked out by it. It's creepy. Do you know what I mean? That's what it does. It works on levels. Yeah. Um, it, it's maybe a bit long to just plonk somebody and go, oh, this will scare you. Yeah. You know, you, uh, particularly with being subtitled and that as well, obviously, it requires a level of focus. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I did really enjoy it, I've got to say. Um, I would like to watch it. I know I'm joking. My first watching it, I think I had to split over it twice. It was the second watching, I was having to do it about 18 fucking yeah, yeah. times. But um, I, I would like one day when I'm fully rested to sit down and actually, and, and obviously after these conversations, I always want to watch a film again after we've had these chats because, yeah. you know, you can learn stuff through the conversations. And like, I'm going to go back and watch that and I'll pick up on that, you know. Yeah. Um, but no, a very, a very, very good film. Excellent. Very Excellent. good film. Yeah. Like, like all the other fucking folk horror ones in this fucking... Yeah, we've, we've, we have Series been there. The next one's an unknown, it, though. The, the, well, totally. Yeah, I've not seen have, it. As of recording this, I have not watched it either. And I've not watched it either, so I um, literally don't know. It might all fall apart at the end and fuck itself in the ass, but really at the moment... not, because we've had some four fucking belters. Aye, absolutely, absolutely. Um, up to um, this point. The other thing I was going to say is, um, for those that are out there that might now watch The Wailing or have watched The Wailing and are looking for suggestions of movies in the same tone or the same vibe, um, Memories of Murder, uh, which is directed by Bong Joon-ho, who did Parasite, um, it's his first movie well, it's his, technically his first movie first proper big movie um, he also did a movie called Mother which is also similar sort of kind of vibe tone and all the rest um, and then uh, Kuroshi Kurosawa did a movie in 1997 called Cure which is widely credited as the movie that's the precursor to J-horror in that it's the one that got a lot of international success and then the following year uh, Ringu came out and everyone was like what is this the the Japanese make horror movies yeah Yeah. only for the last 70 years guys Um, but yeah uh, if if anyone's interested out there Cure is about a serial killer who um, can possess people Uh, it's really fucking good Uh, Memories of Murder is actually based on a real crime a real serial killer who was only caught recently, um, based on that, and mothers are kind of supernaturally sort of murdery thing as well. All fucking great Asian movies, all interesting, long, but really fucking good. Me and you'll speak because I've got um, I've got a blue blurry of Memories of Murder, which I'll give you because you'll fucking love it, absolutely love it. Nice. Right now, let's turn our attention from what was a great viewing to obviously what will be a better viewing. It's time to get. In- well. <laughs> it's time to get into the fourth instalment of the Phantasm franchise, Phantasm for Oblivion, or as Baz has told us on the shutters, this will be Phantasm Ravenger. Is it? No, <laughs> no. To watch this on Shudder, it is uh, Phantasm Three: Lord of the Dead. <laughs> Right, you're going to hear a bit of choice tunes from the Baz, you're going to hear the trailer for the movie when we return, we're going to fucking fly through this, we ain't spending any great amount of time talking about fucking oblivion, Uh, we're going to be doing that right after this. (coughs) 
and the pragmatist Doing push-ups in the back and waving his fist The kids from the school called it subterfuge Scars on his limbs is about to use Welcome back, ladies and gents. You've just heard the trailer for Phantasm 4, Oblivion. This one is written and directed by Don Coscarelli. Uh, so this is the final movie he will actually direct in the series. Ravenger, the fifth movie, I think is written by him, produced by him, but not directed by him. 
Um, the movie stars E. Michael Baldwin back again, Reggie Bannister, Bill Thornbury, Heidi Mornhut, uh, Angus Scrim, Bob Ivy, Christopher L. Stone, Chloe Key, and a lot of people that are just credited here as background player. <laughs> or volunteer infantry. Um, without actual names, so let's not spend any time reading out their names. Um, synopsis is short sentence here and good. Um, Mike travels through time and dimensions to find the tall man's origin. Now, I know what you're thinking, Baz. We are already three movies into this motherfucker, and I don't know who this tall man cunt is. We need to find out who he is. We gotta go back in time. <sighs> Um, which we're going to do in this movie. Now, you'd already seen a chunk of this because of Shudder's ill-fated attempts to try and put these movies on their platform. Yeah, yeah. So you had seen a little bit of this. I think you said about 10 minutes or something before, maybe maybe a little bit Just less. Just start until the credit, the opening credit. All right, and then you were like, this is actually the movie. says the name of the film, the last fucking movie. film. Um, so, and I will be honest here, I'm going to put my hand up. Uh, I watched this earlier in the year for no reason other than I could it's not a movie that I particularly like I've already done my franchise retro on this where I pretty much said that um, but I sat down to watch it tonight now granted this week I have done a bit of travelling for work uh, and it has involved me getting less sleep than I would usually get in my, my stuff and then I got the cold probably because I got less sleep than I usually would get and then on top of that um, I sat down to watch it tonight a little bit kind of still not feeling too great and as I was telling Baz before this happened this never happens to me I got about half an hour in this movie and then lost about 30 minutes of the movie um, it's not a long movie I lost it because I fell asleep with a chihuahua on me um, and then woke up for the last with half an hour with a chihuahua teabag in you probably <laughs> just the wee dicks uh, no, they've been removed uh, so like oh. know, it's just <laughs> <laughs> like it's just like a like it's just like an empty flannel just hitting me. Um no. <laughs> a funny flannel. Um so then like I, I woke up and I was like, oh, oh oh yeah, it's the last half an hour though, because this is where all the action happens. And then I remembered that not a lot of action actually happens. Um yeah. so so Baz, we are so tantalizingly close to the end of this. You've actually watched the final movie, so you know how it does finish, but it won't colour yeah. anything that we're doing on this. Um, I am I'm I'm so needing to get this movie away. Uh, so let the listeners out there know what you made of Phantasm Four Oblivion. I certainly shall. <laughs> Am I not right in thinking though that you you didn't see this film until relatively recently? Is that so right? So I think la- it's either like last year. Time. Yeah, either last year or the year before was when we did the Russian roulette on it. And um, I ended up doing this one with uh, JP. So we did it the same year we did the summer series. So two years ago. And he picked it as one of the movies for the summer series. And I was like, really, dude? And he's like, yeah, it's fucking great. Love it, love it, love it. And I watched it. He loves the series. I told you some people are just into the mythology of the series. And they fucking hardcore just love the way it all ties up and all the rest. I remember sitting watching it and it finished and I was... I was perplexed because once again that first movie to me is like it's on the dizzying highs of, of horror for me like I, just, I love everything it does all the dream stuff and all that all that all that logic the way it's shot everything it's just it's, it's just a fucking incredible movie and then I'm watching this 
which is essentially like 30% of this movie is stuff that didn't make the first movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was sitting like that, but the thing is, people are like, this is genius. Look how he's tying it in. No, 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 no. He's Fuck just, off. you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's that way where I'm, no, I take pot shots at Marvel, right? But there's a particular, there's a, and they do it in fucking Insidious as well. In the second Insidious movie, there's the chap on the door, which is revealed to be. So in the first Insidious movie, there's a chap in the door, he opens the door, all the alarms go off, everything's fucking weird. In the second yeah, movie, yeah. it's revealed that Patrick Wilson goes through the, the, the other place that's or whatever right. and knocks yes. the door. And people are like, that's really clever writing. No, it's not, because the movie was written after. So uh, all they've done is been like, it'd be really cool if we tied that into... Uh, the same with the Marvel, there's a, there's, a, there's a fucking scene where Captain America meets, is it Captain America in one of those Avengers movies? And I seen in the shield offices, and they're like, oh, it all ties together and makes sense. No, no, no. Like, some writer sat there and went, wouldn't it be cool if we tie this thing in here? It's, it wasn't... it's the bit where Loki, st- aye, Loki gets yeah. the Infinity Cube yeah. or some fucking it's thing. Not, yeah, it yeah, wasn't written fucking five no. years ago to tie it in. It's just some guy said, you know what? See, if we did this here, that'd uh-huh. be a kind of cool nod. There's a difference between retconning something and something being planned, right? Yeah. And this movie is retconned AF yes. because this Phantasm was supposed to be a standalone movie. Hence why the, the sequel took almost 10 years to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And was funded by a studio that just wanted to give Don Coscarelli money to make a movie. So yeah. everything beyond this point is him on the fly just making up shit as he goes along. And this is where it's ended up. The inevitable, let's do an origin story. So, yeah, I watched it for the first time then, didn't like it. Watched it for the second time earlier this year, didn't like it. Watched it for the third time tonight. Well, sorry, watched two thirds of it tonight. Guess what? Didn't like it. That waste of my fucking time. Anyway, Baz, no one wants to hear about me. They want to hear about you, a guy who has decried the first movie and weirdly scored every other sequel higher than that first movie since, which I'm sure you're just doing now just to give me a fucking aneurysm, right? Uh, just to give me, like, some sort of hate cancer in myself that's going to take me out hard, right? So let the listeners out there know what you made of Phantasm for Oblivion. Here we go. Uh, yeah, Phantasm for Oblivion. If you want to watch it in Shudder, as I've said, pick <laughs> Phantasm for the Lord of the Dead and you will get this. It opens with a... And this is why I didn't pick up on it for the first 10 minutes, because it opens with this usual bewildering high-speed recap. Right. This one's in, really quick. <laughs> interspersed with fucking Mike trying to look all moody as he flees from the knowledge that he has been changed in the last movie by the tall man. He's a weird-looking guy. He, as he gets older, than not ah, He's a like really, really strange-looking dude. He looks like he's had work done, but you know he's not had work done, if that he, makes sense, he, do you he, know he, what I mean? He kind of looks like... You know, like, you know, like, when you look at Crispin Glover now, and you're like, but he looked a wee bit weird, but now he looks super weird. Yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah, looks yeah. like the two of them went to the same plastic surgeon. Totally, totally. <laughs> um, we've also got the tall man stalking about like a kind of well-hung geriatric boss. Well, he's getting old now. 
Yes. You know what yes. I mean? He was he was old when he made Phantasm, and this movie is what fucking thirty years, twenty years, twenty years yeah. since he made Phantasm. Well, the motherfuckers got the swagger. That's... <laughs> Uh, we got a shite monologue for the register. Um, we see him pinned up to the wall by the kind of swarm of orbs where part three ended. And then, fucking inexplicably, the tall man just lets him go. But how long has he been up there? I don't know. Well, he's aged like... quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this is this is four years on, right? But, like, the, 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 the opening monologue is about how... Like Mike's went away in the car, he's drove away, um, and you know he's you know he's trying to he's trying to like piece together what like you like you said he's trying to work out exactly what's happened to him and all the rest. Yeah. He's away doing that, and meanwhile I've been pinned up here by the tall man. And I'm like, so for like a week, a month, <laughs> a year. Well, it, it's not like I know I don't want to nitpick. But yeah, it's, let, it's, let's not read too much into this. It's, it's, it's up there as the you know Michael Myers wakes up in a dead shack, a dead man's shack. Um, <laughs> he's been in there for a year in a coma. Now he's going to go back to Haddonfield. It's kind of like what we like. It's just fuck. Anyway, Baz, don't, anyway. don't let me go on tangents here, or we'll be here forever. We. Um... We then get a monologue from Mad Mike Rodeo... Uh, fuck, Rodeo Warrior? Mad Mike Road Warrior. That would have been funny had I not fucked it up badly. Rodeo Warrior's better. Rodeo Warrior. <laughs> Mad the, Mike Rodeo Burger. Um, <laughs> that, and this turns out to be a clumsy lead-in to a flashback of the day that the tall man arrived in town. Which in itself turns out to be an excuse just to use unseen footage from the original movie. <laughs> Which, like, I, like, so what version? Like, you've watched this on Shudder, so you've seen the. So this will be the the master. This will be the the one that went out. Yes, I, I think it's all of the the footage is cleaned versions. up surprise like for extras. Yeah, yeah. Footage yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. cleaned up surprisingly fucking well. Apart from the, there is one bit in it where it is clearly a much lower quality yeah. film, although there's <laughs> yeah. nobody able to work with. Anyway, um, yeah, so we get this, what's clearly unseen footage from the original film. Uh, we see Mike uh, as a street urchin, Oliver Wrist, stealing ice creams out the back of Hapless Register's ice cream truck. In a scene that is not dissimilar to something out of fucking Highway to Heaven, if you remember that. <laughs> um, remember that? Oh, yeah. Boy, uh, Little House in the Prairie, oh, an angel. Yeah, you just like... like... Pull, you pull things out of fucking obscurity, man. That I was, like, my brain is parked away in the. We'll <laughs> never need to remember this again. But the minute I saw that, I was like, "This is this is like something that I made him." Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then it's immediately followed back in a rather amusing scene of the tall man running over a dog in his hair, which I really wish they'd just left in the first film. To be quite honest. <laughs> um. We then get a cheeky wee cameo from Ghost Jody. And Silver Boy Jody. Um, <laughs> and then that, that's immediately followed by Mike seeing Dr. Decker from Nightbreed in the back of his car. <laughs> and then an old gypsy woman in the passenger seat. <laughs> Magic 8-Ball Jody sneaks into the register's car while he's changing a tyre. Turns into Ghost Jody. And then tells Reg uh, that he wishes things had been different. 
Uh, and this leads to a frankly amazing dream sequence of the lads on the hood of their car next to the ocean. They're sucking down some brewskis and they're shredding on some sweet electric guitar. Reggie's got his hair down as well, which is not a good fucking move. Yeah. Which we'll come back to later on. So when did this happen though? Like, this is the, like, did this well, happen I, in the previous movie? No, I, th- I think it's, uh, it's Ghost Jody's wish of how things uh, have, could have been. Right. So essentially it's, it's a kind of daydream. I wish we'd all just got... Because obviously it's the older Mike that, that's in it, so it's not a bit of pinched footage I, I, from an older I, I, movie I, I, or anything. Like, you're like one of my... like You are one of the chosen seven, right, for me. Those seven uh-huh. friends, right? You yeah, are, yeah, of right? course. Of course I, I, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's a coveted spot. Like, honestly, people would kill themselves. Clinging on by my fingertips, big man. You're in there like that. I, I, I would never daydream about us hanging out having beers in a car I would dream about having sex with a model or something <laughs> like <laughs> and even, if, even if even if I did have that dream we'd probably be in the car maybe just going for a drive <laughs> rather than perched on the bonnet <laughs> and you've got a cheap imitation Stratocaster that is not fucking plugged into I'd be, I'd be standing there with a guitar bass let's do you know honest. what I mean yeah 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 I'd like to hope you had it plugged into at least a practice amp <laughs> It's just, one of those things where, like, I don't know, daydream bigger. You know what I mean? <laughs> and better. <laughs> and better. Um, it's, not even a, it's not even a fucking proper branded beer they're drinking either. Like no, some, I know. It's not either like a Budweiser or something. It's some fucking, like, nondescript. I think it might be a wee PBR, actually. <laughs> Before it was cool. Product placement. Um. Uh, anyway, registers have been fucking none of it. He just wants out. There's an evil Jawa in the back of Mike's car as well as the tall man. Brakes don't work. The doors won't open. The motherfucking car's driving itself. <laughs> tall man's taking him to Death Valley. We're all confused. Death Valley, like to a place called, was it Funeral... Funeral Mountain or something, where I was like, oh, my eyes fucking did not come back from rolling, honestly. Don't you worry, the Baz has got that covered coming up. <laughs> Mike's counting in the register to come after him. Uh, tall man climbs into a glow- glowing red coffin in the back of the hearse, just fucking vanishes. Uh, register gets pulled over by a cop, like for speeding mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, this is despite the fact that Mike has already told us that the whole place is basically now a wasteland thanks to the tall man. <laughs> hey, the law doesn't sleep, Baz. Yeah, but we've still got fucking traffic cops. Don't take a day off. that's what we need. Do you know what I mean? Never take a day off. Uh, the cop then disappears. The register then finds this skinless dude in the trunk of the car. Gets attacked by Officer Kruger of the state police. <laughs> Manages somehow to get himself locked inside the cop car, ends up shooting Kruger through the roof of the car, and then uh, that's preceded by the legend that is blow me. Yeah, it just makes you sound fucking rampantly gay there, register. Which in itself would be all right, but what's that got to do with fucking shooting somebody? Nothing. And then the Kruger uh, cop then vomits the mango puree into the register's mouth. And what I have written down here as being the world's worst snowballing scene. 
Now here's a question. Why has Register getting the mango puree in his mouth become a trope in this series? It's in every fucking movie. Keep your mouth shut, Register. I, th- I think there's a there's a there's a gag about it, I think that they just keep coming back to. Shite. It's not it didn't work the first time. Like because no. it's not it's not it's not it's not gross. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's no, not like it, it doesn't. It just look. It looks like my. It looks like yeah. a, uh, just a shite. It's, it's, it's like you like. I hate way, this yellow stuff. It's like Sam Raimi did this better. He's done yeah. it in Evil Dead movies better, and guess what? He did it in Drag Me to Hell better. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it can be effective, you know, like 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 something going like it should make you go when you're watching it. It should be the, a gross. The, this yellow liquid stuff never works. No, no, on any level. Register then sticks a flare in the fuel tank, sends cop Kruger straight to hell. <laughs> Old banana on the tailpipe. <laughs> hey! Do we talking? Uh, Mike wakes up in the hearse in the middle of Death Valley. Uh, he's been stalked by Jawas high up in the rocks. This is basically just the first 20 minutes of Star Wars. <laughs> Coscarelli must have really loved Star Wars. He must have done, because I swear to God, there's even a glimpse of a Tusken Raider between two rocks at one point as he walks by them. God damn it. Eh... Uh, there's a fucking bit about the tall man having a spare suit in like the back of the fucking car or something like that. And then he writes his last will and testament in the back of the hearse. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, he has a nightmare about the tall man pulling the silver ball out of his head, but back in the Civil War. All right. Uh, the next morning, uh, young Mike is uh, he's wandering about looking like John Farnham after a three-day coke <laughs> bender. And then he... <laughs> Interestingly enough, that's my... They're like, he regularly appears as my warm-down music from a long run. John Farnham? Oh, yeah. You, you're the voice. Understanding. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, like <laughs> it's perfect warm-down. Like, once you've finished E10K... That oh, 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 oh. like that you're walking, you feel fucking. He is the voice of accomplishment. I cannot relate to that at all, having never run more than like two k. But um, <laughs> yeah, well, imagine that after three days on the Coca Cola. <laughs> uh, anyway, one of these stupid wee fucking portal things appears. Uh, registers. Fucking about in what I'm fairly certain is a public lavatory. <laughs> and I've, just, I've just written here in brackets, cottaging we prick. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> COVID must have really destroyed cottaging. Well, it must have done. <laughs> it's like, it's like what George Michael would have ended up looking like if he'd lived. Or, or what Elton John does look like. Um, <laughs> he sees an extremely hot young chick who is about 30 years too young for him and a million leagues above his. Oh, my God. Uh, thankfully, he just stares at her creepily for a wee bit, uh, but restrains, resists the urge to actually approach this fucking poor girl. <laughs> 
Elsewhere, suddenly Mike is now trying to hang himself from the only tree in a hundred square miles, which conveniently has a little wooden crate underneath it for him to stand on. Handy, handy. Very handy. Tall man, though, he turns up, tells him death is no escape. And then we get more of this fucking footage for the first film. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have our wrists running through a forest trying to remain unmolested. <laughs> uh, and then Tallman ends up getting lynched. Uh, Jody turns up, they drive up, drive off. What, what, what the fuck? And then this then cuts back to Mike hanging from the tree like for fucking ages. And, uh, then back to like we all have a wrist. He's kind of lying there with what I can assume is either a slug trail or come on his face. <laughs> one of the two. It can only possibly be one of those two things. <laughs> Next thing he's standing underneath the hanging body of the tall man who suddenly wants to cut down. A tall man turkey slap. Yeah. We all have our wrist refuses. The tall man's like that, I promise I'll leave if you cut me down. All of our wrist cuts him down, because he's conveniently found a fucking World War II commando dagger lying about close to hand. Why not? Yeah. That's back to him in the desert. I'm racing through this, I fucking hate this film. Yes, Baz, because it's shite. (laughs) Tall man says, you can't kill yourself, that pleasure belongs to me. Mike runs off through the portal. Finds himself in some kind of civil war plantation kind of setting. Uh, he meets the tall man, but he's not evil because he mm. gives him some lemonade, which is the most virginal of all the refreshing. <laughs> I'm going to have to say juices because I can't think of the word I want. What soda? No. Nope. No. Refreshments? Beverages. Beverage. Beverage. <laughs> Beverage was the word You're I was looking for. You're literally sitting with a whiskey in front of, a whiskey and coke, like I am. Cheers, by the way. Um, Cheers. And you're sitting in front of you, you can't think of the word beverage. Couldn't think of the word beverage. <laughs> Nearly 50, Duncan. <laughs> uh, mine's not what it once was. <laughs> um... The, and then the, the tall man introduces himself as Jebediah Morningside. Yeah. Uh, seems to have invented. So, like, so he seems to have invented these portals. Yes. Um, and he's waiting on somebody coming through, or hoping somebody was going to come through. Uh, he's very excited about the knowledge that Mike can impart when he realizes that he has actually come through this portal. Uh, he's, he's joined by this old lady in a fucking wheelchair who looks suspiciously like the clairvoyant granny for the mm-hmm. first movie. Doesn't mean fuck all. It doesn't mean does. that that's the problem. It doesn't mean fuck all. Um, Mike manages to escape back through a, like a steampunk version of the portal uh, uh, back to Death Valley. <laughs> but now, for some reason, there's just loads of the wee portals all over the desert. Mm-hmm. I could not fucking care less. Uh, yeah, too, you know what this pro- you know what's wrong with this movie? Too much portal shit. It's I I don't. There's a lot of visuals in this mm-hmm. movie. Like let, let's put hundreds of portals all across the desert. Why? They're yeah. shit. It's like two little fucking metal poles. They're uh, crap. Ah, uh, you say that, but what does two little metal poles look like? Tune in for Baz. 
Oh god, I never picked up. No. Oh, sorry, dude. I'm sorry. Oh, that's just me. That's just me. It was. As, well, but this that's is what I actually I mean. made this film fucking worse. This is not like this. Is what I mean is, uh, once again, if you like this movie, fine. I, I'm, I, I don't want to be in that. I've said this before. I, I, I want to believe that there's a movie out there that's everyone's. Even if I hate it, it's someone's favorite movie, and I don't want to believe yeah. it. But there is a difference between master plan and just making up shit. And yeah. this is just making just up shit. Making up. Bad shit. Yeah, oh, you want to play a guitar though, Baz. Use a tuning fork on your guitar, and what do these portals look like? Oh, so I'm going to get on to the tuning, tuning fork, fork shortly. Yeah. Hold on to your plums, sir. <laughs> plums held. The register is now stalking this wee chick down a deserted highway. He's just parked. Cars, right? uh, he's parked it. I need to find my friend. Like... In fairness, this is a welcome fucking break from the portals, right? <laughs> Um, he then overtakes her and as he's overtaking her he throws her a wee smile and she smiles back she is clearly dick starved if well, she is smiling dead. at that fucking hobgoblin there that's is, just past her there is no people anywhere Baz there are party traffic cops just traffic cops you know one fuck with a traffic cop unless you get a ticket you don't know, especially you get a ticket. Cougar. <laughs> and she should have got a ticket because she swerves to avoid a tortoise and crashes. <laughs> uh, the register runs over to rescue her, inappropriately pausing for dramatic effect several times, <laughs> given given that the car is on fire. He's a terrible actor. He's he a really dreadful man. <laughs> Fuck off, Reggie. The car blows, and then she is essentially left at the mercy of Reggie, who offers to drive her to the next town. Back in Tatooine. <laughs> Mad Mike is uh, he's dropping rocks on every living creature in a five mile fucking radius. Mm -hmm. Also gets a a visit from Magic Eight Ball Jodie. Uh, We're treated to another cheesy excuse to roll out some unseen funeral footage from part one. Yep. Quickly followed by an unseen subplot involving the abduction of Jodie. I honestly reckon that. The original Phantasm was about four hours long. I, I'm sure I heard somewhere that the original the original footage for Phantasm was over three hours. That joking aside, that honestly wouldn't surprise me what? because there are plot lines that come into this yeah. that were clearly major plot lines in the film that were extracted yeah. from it. Well, the, the thing about it was like when Coscarelli made Phantasm, it was written as it went along. And he shot right. it like he like the it was all done very kind of lo-fi. You would you would like hire the, the film equipment on a Friday, so you yeah, could yeah. get it over the weekend and return it uh-huh. on a Monday uh-huh. and all the rest. But it was pretty much it was like shot over a year. Yeah. It was just him like and like writing it as he went along. So it would not surprise me if the scope of it ended up being very bloated and very Massive. huge. Yeah, and then yeah. at the end he cut it down to a narrative that. There's a lot of that, like, a lot of the, and I know the excuse that you were kind of, the accusation you were throwing at it was, like, that it was all a dream as an excuse to hide things, and uh. it, it genuinely is, and I mean, but there's a difference between using it as an excuse and actually something encompassing the feel of a dream, which is why it works for me. Like, it uh. feels like a dream, so that, like, that works, 
instead of cynically doing the what we get in every horror movie now, which is you get, in fact, we got on the, on the wheeling, although it wasn't a dream, you get the scene which is just used for a cheap jump scare, but it doesn't matter because it was all a dream. And this, yeah. like in Phantasm, but I get, I'm with you. There, there appears to have been a huge amount of detail with um, Jody and Mike, uh, and Mike and Reg, and Reg and Jody, and all these scenes where there was clearly a really strong interaction between the characters, which just didn't make the movie, like just didn't make the cut. Yeah, and I, I think. <sighs> See, to me, it reinforces the problem I had with the first one because I don't think it was meant to be all be a dream. Mm. And that was almost kind of thrown in at the end because this explains right. what happened to Jodie and all that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm not making excuses for this, by the way, because it, it's still dumb shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and what I've written here is, and this is what annoys me about this film in yeah. particular, I believe it's like they are regurgitating every shite plotline Mm. that was dropped from the first movie mm. because it was shite. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like you're, you're sweeping up the fucking detritus and just pouring it into this one. It's oh, so long God. from the first movie and what they're doing is they're trying to retcon I got, like, this was the grand design, this is the master yeah, plan. And it, I, you, it's so blatantly obviously not yeah. that. And that he's been afforded. Insulting. He's been afforded yeah. the opportunity that he has all this footage that was shot shot well that it can bring in here and con yeah. you know, like put through a different context like there's a scene later on i think it's at the end where like um is uh, they're in the they're in the ice cream van at the end and they're driving and there's a whispered voice yeah and, and he's like, like what did you say yeah it's like no it's uh, just the wind that voice was clearly not in that take was never meant to be in that take no but there would have been some other voice saying something completely yeah, different but they've changed it and it look it's always meant to be and it, that stuff just yeah. uh, the cynic in me is like i understand you to make a new movie but make at a that, new movie then at the very point that that happens and that's right at the end of the movie mm -hmm. that is literally the last scene that that happens and, and right at that point on my first watching I was like, fuck me, you must have just been groping about for things like, how can I shoehorn yeah. something? Because it doesn't mean anything or doesn't add anything to this film. Doesn't make sense. Why did you put that in there? Yeah, doesn't make it, sense. And it's like this, look how clever I'm being. Yeah. You know, I mean, oh, look at this, it all ties in, no, fuck it. It's blatantly obvious. Yeah. That, that you have shoehorned that in as hard as you can. Yeah, you went through all your footage that you had because... there and you've got that. Oh, that was a well shot scene. Could I use this in here? Ah, I probably could. How would I work yeah. it in? Voice over. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fuck off, Don Coscarelli. <laughs> um, I like you know, Don Coscarelli as well. I, I think know John... you do, mate, but this is a fucking abomination. John dies at the end. It's a fucking great movie. Bubble Hotep is a great movie, and the original Phantasm is a fucking incredible movie. So the guy has three movies that I genuinely love. It just so happens that the franchise he's most commonly known for, uh, like the majority of it, four fifths of it are skip. Right. Anyway, Reggie stops at this abandoned hotel. And he essentially guilts hot Jennifer into staying the night there with him. Um, inside, he delivers what can only be described as some of the worst patter in recorded history. <laughs> you, you, I mean, you can literally hear her vagina drying up. 
you, you can hear the mucus going back <laughs> into the ducts in her vagina. Because it's saying to itself, I need to make this as inhospitable to his penis <laughs> as I possibly fucking can. Our fanny turns into the Sarlacc pit. Really? Honestly? <laughs> like that movie, Teeth. It grows, it literally grew its own teeth at that point. <laughs> um, And then he decides that he's going to let his ponytail down, which only can make this situation worse. Worst. <laughs> it's the worst hair. Shave your goddamn head. <laughs> it's worse than the comb over. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? She gets undressed in the shower, which is kind of cool, actually, <laughs> behind this little kind of half-see-through curtain thing. But the girl makes it plainly clear she is not going to fuck him. Cunt still keeps trying. You know what I mean? Gets absolutely nowhere, thank God. <laughs> uh, Reggie then is this nightmare when he wakes up in a graveyard and gets accosted by like a kind of hybrid of Mike and the tall man. Yeah. So now we've gone from the first act in Star Wars to the second act in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Right, this is the bit of Dago Bar when he goes into the tree. Yep. Gets the vision. <laughs> when he wakes up, hot Jen, she's still asleep, right, but she's now partially disrobed because she's kind of rolled out her covers as you do. I try to play that one in the wife quite a lot. She normally just puts a fucking dressing gown over the top of me because she's <laughs> repulsed by what she sees. Um, <laughs> Reggie, the, Reggie then gets real creepy. Uh, to the point that he decides he's going to pop open the shut. She's asleep. Register. <laughs> Sleeping. This is rape, Reggie. <laughs> register by name. Register by action. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he is literally saved by the fact that she's now got silver buzz for tits. They pop out and attack him. Yeah. Yeah. You're not impressed by this, Baz, I can tell. I am not. <laughs> I am, really like am. And, and normally, killer tits, I could have gone for. Killer. You know. <laughs> Zombie tits and killer tits. It's a franchise. Yeah. <laughs> he manages to defeat, defeat one of them, but the other one drills into his hand before he can use his magic tuning fork to destroy it. Which now, is just a happy accident. So he did not know this would happen, I think. I'm moving on from the fact that what was the point of this female character? Did yep. she always have silver bow tits? Has she been... Uh, uh, you know what she I mean? always have silver bow tits. <laughs> but if this tuning fork can defeat the silver balls... Yeah. Why? Why does he have a four-barreled shot? Why does he not just have... A giant tuning Eight, fork. 18 to 20 tuning forks. Because, <laughs> well, no, the tuning forks don't kill the Jawas. But are the Jawas not controlled by silver balls in their head? No. I, I think, I think they so. are. 
No, the jar, the 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 no, silver. You take the brains out. The jar was yes. put them in the silver bottle. Oh, yeah. right enough. So the Jawa, he needs a gun for that. Still pretty shit, though. Isn't it's it? t- horribly shit. It's horribly shit that he suddenly realised that. Uh, like you know how you know how I'm gonna bring down these silver balls? A chinning fork. Yeah. Why? How? You know what I mean? Because they look like the dimension. You, you could have gone like that. How will I defeat them with this rotary food mixer? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> with this jar of spaghetti. <laughs> you know what I mean? Up your kitchen just now, just I, I was because my next one was going to be damson colored paint. <laughs> just all your usual suspects here, just fucking glimpsing around. This is the end scene the usual suspects. with this lacrosse butter dish <laughs> that I abused about twice since my kid bought me. By the way, you'll only use it twice anyway. Silver tits turns into a deadite and attacks him, but he kills him with a sledgehammer. And I'm just writing here, what the fuck was the point in that character? Also, like, like, at this stage now, it has almost every single romantic encounter with Reg ended up with one of them turning into... Pretty much. Looks like it's going to be a fairly unsavoury rape. Yeah. And then it fucking turns into... At this this stage, this is either really, really lazy writing, or Reg is just thick as shit. Or is it wildly misogynistic in that reading the, between the lines here, he gets rejected and then kills them? Do you think when she says no, he then builds this elaborate fantasy where she is evil? Yeah. And it's only him that can see it. Like, to everyone hammer. else, she was fine. Would have settled for a hand job, <laughs> but now I've had to fucking mince your head. <laughs> Would have settled for a dry handy, but yeah. now, yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't even have had to look at me. <laughs> Mad Mike concocts a plan to travel back in time via the portal to prevent the tall man from becoming the tall man. Which also would... falls at the first hurdle though when he <laughs> ends up in downtown LA and yeah. not the Civil War. No. <laughs> well, because he finds out that actually the, the tall man tells him, I will, you know. You go where I want you. Where I want you, yeah. And for some okay. reason, the tall man decides downtown LA. Downtown LA. For no. Look, not explained. Here's Ghost Jody. Yep, it's not explained. They don't bother explaining it. Nah, don't they? And I tell you another thing. That Angus Scrim, what a cushy fucking number he's got. He's required to do two things in this whole franchise. Say the na- say the word boy. Yep. And walk really well. Yeah, but you could argue, you could argue, what does what does Pinhead do in Hellraiser? Show up, spout some lines, and point so chains can fly into people. Okay. Or Jason, that, what that, does Jason do? Jason walks, stabs people with a machete. What does Michael Myers do? Well, let's not go there. Um, still, it's still shit. But that's like that. Literally, this is this is that we we love our horror pop icons, usually because of things that happen in the first instalment when we're introduced, and then we expect that to be their persona moving forward, which is just shorthand for just have them do the same thing over and over and over again. It has a lot. Of, Angus Scrim has a lot of dialogue in this compared to the other movies. And it's still not that much dialogue. 
shut up because the next line is the best line in my notes. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on to your titties here, by the way. Back in Beggar's Canyon, Register takes a break from bullseyeing Womp Rats in his T-16 to climb up a mountain. Well, that's my third Star Wars reference I've managed yep. to shoehorn into this. Gets out the, the old binoculars just like Star Wars. He does indeed, because he climbed up at the top of the mountain there, gets out his thermal binoculars or whatever they're fucking called, yep. spots the hearse, gets all tooled up with his quad blaster, a flick knife and his ice cream man suit. Oh, this is his battle suit. I'm not sure of the relevance or the use of the gay clothes. He never used it in any other movie apart from the first one. No, no, no. But they really do pull back the ice cream theme in this film, which is odd. Well, they have loads of this stuff. They have all this footage from the first movie of him being an ice cream man, Baz, so they kind of have to tie it in now. Anyway, regardless, Mad Mike is now jumping about between portals with Ghost Jody. Yeah. Suddenly they're on a beach. You can apparently hear things on the other side of the portal now, which is a completely new feature. Yep. Uh, the hearse seems to have a wee silver ball in the engine powering it now, which we never saw before. Nope. Uh, seems to be very important given the amount of airtime. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm fucked if I know what it's about. Yeah, well, it's used later on, but not explained either. Register fights off a few Javas. Still looks like a fucking paedophile. <laughs> uh, all three are finally reunited, but Mike warns the Register uh, not to trust Ghost uh, Jody. All three of them are reunited for him. 20 seconds yeah. on screen. And he's literally like that. I need to go. By the way, didn't trust him? For Don't no reason. Him. For no reason of saying didn't trust him because he will never see him again. Yeah, now bearing in mind, this is his brother and yeah. the other best friend. Yeah. And the other yin immediately was like, okay, here's a tuning fork if you need yeah. to kill the cat. <laughs> he, uh, he does the old slip. The uh, old... What, what do they call it? Uh, like, did you ever see there's... Um... Oh, what is the name of Are it? Are you honestly asking me about secret handshakes? No, no <laughs> that's not what Because I... I'll fucking own you, son. <laughs> no, there's a... There is a... Comedy parody video to do with learning golf which stars Leslie Nielsen I'm not pulling this up ass. This is, is this real? This is, I'm going to wall my chat and it, like, it's like one of these inst- in, you know, instructional sort of things like when you're golfing remember good golf etiquette you know on the on the first tee remember and do this and all the rest and they show all these different techniques and one of them is called the Varden tip and it's when you put the money in your palm and you come in with the V and you give it, you pass it over, and they call it the Varden tip, and it's the technique in which to do it. And they, this is a lot funnier in my head than it is recorded because I'm remembering it. And it's I would hope so. <laughs> like <laughs> basically, <laughs> he uses a technique in this instructional video that you've never seen before, that no one else seems to have seen before, <laughs> that may not exist and might only be a hallucination in my fucking sleep deprived brain. But he Varden tips on the. That didn't work it at all. Uh, I don't end that either. Really so. didn't. Anyway, slips the guy between <laughs> fucking sides. <laughs> Mike and Ghost Jody jump through a portal back to the night. Jebediah turns into uh, the tall man. Uh, they watch him fire up steampunk portal. 
Uh, Mike takes a swing at him but misses. When Jebediah returns via the portal, he's now the tall man. Oh, good God almighty. So we still don't actually know what happened to him, but he's now the tall man. It's a real thing. It's a real th- I didn't fucking daydream this. Oh my God, are you still going on about this? It's a real thing. It's, um, I've never been happier than I am right now and it's on YouTube. Oh, okay, I'm watching can, it right can we this. say that we will put it on the Facebook page? Uh, and move I, on. I, uh, it's called... Wait, wait, wait. No, no, we need to give you the full detail on it. It's called Bad Golf Made Easier. It's a 1993... Jesus fucking Christ. 33-minute video by actor Leslie Nielsen. It's a parody of... How did I see this? It's a parody of golf and other golf videos and books. It demonstrates many humorous bad golf swings and its slogan found in it is I don't play golf to feel bad. I play bad golf but feel good. Um, Yeah, there you are. Leslie Nielsen. Um, Oh my God. 1993. How would I have ever fucking seen this? Well, you fucking let it go. No, like this is the stuff that I love right now. Like this is like you can have your references to all the shit that you've mentioned, where you're bringing back John Boy and all the rest, right? And I am gonna sit here and be like, "Bad coffee is Leslie fucking Nielsen." <laughs> Star of the Naked Gun movies and Bad Golf Made Easier. I'm going to find it. I will post it on the YouTube. Uh, well, I'll post it in the Facebooks without context. <laughs> <laughs> Sh- Fuck you all. Just going to shove it up there and we're not going to comment on it, Baz, until they listen to this episode. I will not. Anyway, anyway. I'm going to drive Vera away for this. Mike escapes via the portal to a graveyard where Ghost Jody attacks him with a silver ball. But Mike stabs him. I've no fucking idea why Jody attacks him. Well, Is it because of the silver bar? I don't fucking know. Because he's he's a bad guy. Yeah, but why and how and when did that happen? Well, I, he I never trusted I him. I honestly don't care enough for a, a reason. Like, my, my understanding is he knew he was bad. Okay. So he just decided that he was going to get him away from... For some reason, he took that long to do it, but he decided he was going to take him away and kill him. Yeah, I just don't understand how Jodie turned bad in all of this. But it doesn't really matter because then Jodie appears out of nowhere again and uh, transports him back to the tall man who tries to cut open his head. Mike manages to fight them off with the tuning fork, which the tall man then immediately takes away from him. Mm-hmm. Probably should have done that earlier. Um, back in Tatooine, the register and Mike make a final stand against the tall man. Reggie's gun fails. Uh, the wee silver ball out the car engine now attacks the tall man. This is the so plan. It turns, out, turns out the hearse is actually the hero in this story. <laughs> well, what the fuck, man? There's no real effect on him. Though. And then we discover that, though, that the engine also contains Iron Man's arc reactor, mm-hmm. which explodes, destroying the car and the tall man. But this doesn't matter because another tall man just comes straight out the portal. Then pulls the orb out of Mike's head and fucks off back through the portal. Uh, Mike tells the register that he's dying, which I really hope is true. Uh, <laughs> register grabs his gun and follows the tall man into the portal. We're now transported back to another shitty piece of unused footage where Mike, yeah, fucking young Mike, gets into the young register's ice cream truck with him. 
flates them briefly <laughs> and then they, they ride off into the night. Uh, and that this film fucking ends at this and it absolute dog shite of a movie. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Don't even care. This idea of piecing in the old footage is terrible yeah. for the very reasons that you and I have discussed through this. Yeah. And it's exactly what I thought when I was watching it. I was like, you've just gone through old cut footage and shoehorned it in whenever you could, man. Fuck yeah. off. You take that out of this movie, this movie is, what, 45, oh, 48 minutes long? Totally. So totally. there's no story. Like there's no film made, story. No, there's, there is no story because they've tried to make the story out of this concept yeah. of the old footage. Out with... So, right, so you've got the register, Mike, and Tallman, right? Mm-hmm. Out with them, the only really other two characters in this are Hot Jen and Ghost Jody, and both of them are completely irrelevant yeah. to the film. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Awful awful film <laughs> I've got nothing to add I, 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 I don't like this movie I don't like this movie I think it's I think it's cynically made I think that's the like the that's his biggest crime and it's not something that I would usually accuse someone like, like Don Coscarelli loves being a filmmaker and loves his yeah. fans but this movie feels to me like he's been given the opportunity to make another Phantom other phantasm movie on the cheap and the way he's decided to make it is make it cheap so he can use pre-shot footage that he can put in there and build a story around it which is the worst way to build a movie like like, it's not there's nothing i was thinking about this more the previous movie spent a huge amount of time like explaining stuff that we didn't need explained like so uh-huh. how the Jawas are made what's yeah, what yeah. steel balls come from like a, a lot of you know the tall man's powers like it, it really went doubled down on a lot of that this movie here if this movie's plan is to make it an origin story for the tall man right that origin story is really about five minutes of the movie yeah, and it's not even an origin story it's because not. what happened to the tall man when he or what happened to Jebediah when he went through that portal that caused him to come back a completely different yeah. person. So, so the, the 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 assumption is that he he's a mortician who becomes like obsessed with death. Obsessed with death wants yep. to find out what's on the other side. Creates this machine. Creates a portal, which all of that's a cool idea. I fucking yeah, yeah, down that, with that. That I can live <clears> with. Yeah. Yep. Builds this portal goes to the other side, returns as a possessed alien. Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Doesn't explain why whenever the tall man dies, he's replaced by someone that looks like Jebediah, though, surely. Yeah. But well, let's not get hung up on that. <clears throat> but yeah, like he, so he comes through and then has a, a master plan of accumulating souls to create bodies to overtake the earth or whatever it is, but then doesn't do anything. For decades, exists in this small town for fucking decades, right? Because like, when was the American Civil War? Uh, the 1860s. Right, so between the 1860s, Baz, and 1979, he operates in his small mortuary in this small town. Until this young boy starts to find that he's scheming and he's like that, world domination. It just, it fucking, this is why you don't get... 
you don't do sequels that start fucking with the story from the first movie because as soon as you do it you, you never do anything you set before the first movie. Yeah, you never do a prequel never do a prequel because as soon as you do a prequel you open yourself up to well that doesn't make sense anymore but anyway like so Hannibal I, Rising which I've just literally recorded a review of by the way <laughs> and I had oh, of I, course I, the retro yeah, oh yeah. dude man me and, me and our buddy Darren Wilson um, sat and discussed that and I think Darren at one point was just like I better let Duncan finish his seven minute rant um, where I just couldn't I couldn't like I was getting to the point where I was the words weren't coming out my mouth because they were tripping over each other through rage rage delivery um, yeah it just I, I don't I love Phantasm I, I don't know how we ended up here yeah all the enjoyment of the kind of campiness of the previous two movies that you could have even though they irritate me is gone in this movie it doesn't even have that anymore. It doesn't have the goofiness mm-hmm. of any of the the ease movies or that early nineties. Yeah. All that's gone. And when you, what I say, like when you strip out all that additional footage they brought in from the first movie, you don't really have a movie here. And it's like shots. It's like to set up things like we'll we'll put them in LA. Never explained. Doesn't add anything to the story except we yeah. get to see the tall man walk down an empty street. That street could have been anywhere for all the context yeah. that it gives. You know what I mean? It could have been absolutely anywhere. It would have made much more sense if it ended up the high street of that little deserted town that they keep fucking driving through. 100%. Why downtown LA? Why the strip? Yeah, why are we we bringing all this? Like, all that backstory stuff, like the, the teens there, also don't add any context. Think about one element from those flashback scenes that actually adds to the story by the end of this, and there isn't anything. No. So what's the purpose of this? It is a five minute of how the Tom Man, like the Tom Man origin story, and that's it. It's, it's surrounded and, and by is, an hour and twenty five minutes. I would, I would argue that it's not even that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think you're um, wrong. Actually, I don't think you're wrong. I hate this movie. I really, really yeah. do. Oh, like, we're, we're talking about a franchise that I, I very clearly don't like, but yeah. I didn't even like the film that everybody does. Like. Well, this is the thing, like, and this I'm is the thing. The point of this. <clears throat> you know I, what I mean? I did, at least I told you. I don't know where you're going to come in on this, but I did tell you that there was movies, in my opinion anyway, if you didn't uh-huh. like the first movie, that were worse than the first movie. So we're, we're getting, we're get, we finally reached, we've arrived, uh, but I've started to hear what you made of Ravenger. Uh, I don't like Ravenger, so I'll be honest about that one. Um, that's a kind of... Sometimes it's best not to revisit something and finish the story and just mm-hmm. leave it an open question. Um, Baz, the important question here for the listeners are what we're going to score this, but more importantly, what you're going to score this. One through five again, what's your grade for <laughs> Phantasm for Oblivion? Uh, my grade for Phantasm for Oblivion is a zero. It is a fuck this movie. <laughs> that this is, it's worse than the first. I didn't like the first film, and this is way worse than the first film. Wow! So it, it's a a proper fuck this movie. I I, how many times have you ever given the grade fuck this movie? I think only once before, and I can't even remember what the it, was. It August Underground. or. No, obviously uh, maybe higher than that then. I don't know, but uh, I think I've only done it once before. 
Holy fucking shit. Um, no, I, I loathe this film. Because it, it's like, I didn't like the first film. Yep. And you took all the bits that weren't good enough to get into that first <laughs> film and tried to make a film out of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> get fucked. Um, Zero. I... I, I I very rarely give out a fuck this movie. Uh, I hate it. It's a one. I, I like. I hate this movie. I'm I'm a little marginal. Weirdly, I'm higher on this one than you. I I kind of thought it'd be the the other way around. But yeah, I, I I like. I would. I said before to me, like Phantasm exists in its own little bubble. Anything beyond that point, I'm not really interested in. I I don't go yeah. my way to watch it. Um, and there was a reason somehow in my brain that I shielded myself from Part Four for as long as I did. Um, it's just weird that in the last three years I've watched it like three times and I'll hopefully <laughs> never watch it again. Um, there you go. We only have one more of these to do. It's Phantasm Ravenger. You've watched it as well, so we'll find out how that goes. Next week, when our episode drops on Halloween, actually dropping an episode on Halloween with the buzz. Oh. Closing this motherfucker out. So excited. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're closing out this show and we're doing it after this you're listening to the podcast under the stairs and you've been listening to the podcast under the stairs this has been Bazoween 2022 episode number four the penultimate one of the series looking at the whaling as part of our journey around the world at folk horror making a small stop at asia and we have done our fourth phantasm movie this was phantasm 4 oblivion baz one week to go and then we are sitting down and bringing this in hard with luz the flower of evil and phantasm 5 ravenger how are you feeling I'm uh, I'm feeling all right. I am looking forward to getting back to just watching films because I want to watch them. <laughs> that being said, I am I'm interested and looking forward to watching Liz Flower of Evil. Yeah. Um. Yes, I have watched Phantasm Five. I'm not going to give anything away because it's a completely different episode. So I'm going to keep my face shut on that one. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I and I always get like this towards the end of Bazoween because I spend so much time. Uh, in the first kind of three quarters of the month getting things finished and watching the same films over and over again and it gets I, I always as soon as I've recorded that last episode yep. I'm like oh my god I can watch whatever I want yep. I'm and free. Duncan can't tell me what to watch anymore and I'm quite looking forward to getting back to that I probably watch more fucking horror films in November than I do in October yeah. <laughs> just because I'm unleashed <laughs> again um, so I'm looking forward to that but I am looking forward to Liz I, I'm really quite looking forward to checking that one yeah. out um, particularly I, th- I can't think of a film that you and I Lake Mungo was the last one Lake Mungo. you not watch Lake Mungo? no Lake Mungo was a first time watch for me and you and we watched right. it on the same night and that was the night you sent me your text message yeah yeah fucking yeah. terrified and I'd watched it oh, just I'd watched it like I'd finished like an hour before you sent me that message, um, that but yeah, that was my f- yeah, that actually. was my first time. It's very, very rare that I pick a movie for these recordings that I have never. Very You've rare that I pick. Seen, yeah, yeah. It's very rare nowadays that I pick a movie to actually review that I've not seen unless it's like a brand new title. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a movie it's, review. It's a, generally, that I curate things in such a way that I'm trying. I had forgotten all yeah. about now. Late Mungo was a good few years ago now as well. Late Mungo. That must 20, be about five years ago. Twenty seventeen. No, twenty sixteen, I think. But Jesus, yeah, yeah right, it was right. twenty sixteen. So yeah, a long time ago, yeah. like six years. So yeah, it's very rare that we do that, uh, and I am super curious because it's my. It's the wild card. Gets great reviews, but that yeah. doesn't mean anything. <laughs> that like means absolutely nothing. So we'll see how we land with that, and we'll see how we land with Phantasm Ravager uh, to close this one out and uh, bring it all in. And once again, close another another chapter in the the ongoing saga that is Basaween. I know the <laughs> listeners will miss it, but guess what? We'll be back next year um, to do the entire. Hellraiser franchise. <laughs> two, two movies per episode. No, no, no. Two, two movies per episode. Uh, I don't us, like that look you just gave me. Two like movies this. per episode, Baz, uh, which will give us an entire five weeks of ten movies, uh, and we will be fully caught with that. And that'll be another franchise put to bed. I will say this. You're buying me them all. I'm not buying them. I You're was, buying me them I, I will say this. I don't think I dislike. Mm, can I say that? No, I can't. Right, there's ten movies. There's t- there's ten movies in the Hellraiser franchise. There are five movies in the Phantasm franchise, and I think there's only one Hellraiser movie that scores lower than what I've given in this series. The rest go right, higher. This is only episode four. We're too early to be talking about next year. Yeah, Hellraiser it is, ladies and gents. Uh, I'm, I'm like, we'll, we'll, we'll sort it out. It's going to be Hellraiser. Uh, we will sort it out. Anyway, get this done. Uh, ladies and gents, thank you very much for checking out another Bazaween episode. One left to go. It's dropping on Halloween, so set your fucking alarms and reminders for that. And check us out in that final instalment. Uh, Baz, would you like to say goodbye to the listeners, please? Certainly shall. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show, folks. I'm hoping you didn't watch uh, Phantasm <laughs> for Oblivion, and I'll see you all next week for the last episode of Bazoween 2022. And from myself, wherever you are, whatever the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from Under the Stairs, and I am signing off.
Aye mate, it's me. Alright, listen, just to give you a kind of heads up here, so I didn't get the notes done when I was away that I was hoping to. Um, I was just, it was too fucking, there was too much going on with the kids and that, and then I would try to do it at night, I would fall asleep, which I also did last night. Um, I've got over half the notes for the whaling done, I'll get it finished today. Realistically, it was going to be tomorrow. The problem is, it's Matthew's birthday today and his birthday party is tomorrow. So, realistically, I think we're going to be looking at tomorrow night before we record, which I know is a fucking ball ache for you in order to get it out for Monday, but it's... Uh, <laughs> I just can't... I'm not going to lie and tell you you can get done any quicker, mate. It's, there's just fucking too much going on. But I will get it done... Um, and then we'll just need to horse through episode five next week. I have watched Phantasm Five. I have not watched Luz yet because I've only just got your uh, login thing. But what I'll plan to do with Luz is I'm just going to do my notes as I'm watching it. I'm not fucking about trying to watch it twice because it's there's just, again just not enough fucking time. We will get there. I'm sorry that the year we thought we were actually going to get ahead of time has turned out to be the worst year so far um entirely my fault amigo but uh we will get there i'm so fucking rushed i don't even have time to type this pish and i'm sending you one of these wanky little voice notes um au revoir mon ami fuck my sainted anus wish i'd remembered that about four days ago